Are you ready? Are you ready for September? September? September. Because it's coming. Because it's coming. Because it's coming. Welcome to the next installment of the School of September series, brought to you by the Western Huntsman Podcast, in conjunction and partnership with Phelps Game Calls and Spree Extreme Mountain Gear. Elk Hunting 201. is in session. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Western Huntsman Podcast. This is your monthly installment of the School of September because here it is April. Uh, we're coming up to like what, mid-April, end of April here. And uh, we've only got a few months left to gear up for uh, my favorite time of the year. So on this month's episode... Um, I'm really excited about this one because I'm going to tell you guys a little story. We st- we started the School of September series. I-, I can't remember if it was two or three years ago now that I'm saying it, but um, every year we do this. We start around April. Every month we release an episode for School of September. This is the 2022 season. And the one of the first people I had on for School of September was a guy that I would bet my next paycheck you probably know. His name is Paul Medill, and he is also known as the Elk Nut. And, guys, just for your information, it is that episode that we released with uh, with Paul a couple years ago is the number one most downloaded episode in the Western Huntsman podcast history. And that's saying something, because we've had some big names on this show, and uh, uh, a lot of you are very enthusiastic about listening to to Paul, which makes you uh, my people, because I am too. Paul, I appreciate you joining me, buddy. Thanks for being here. Hey, it's my pleasure. I, I, I appreciate the the uh, offer that you uh, put before me and asked me to come back on. Heck, you never know. So, hey, let's talk know. some elk. <laughs> let's talk elk. That's the that's the plan. And so I, I and I, I wanted to get this out because we were, we were talking before I hit record there. The I I've had a lot of requests to get you back on for School of September because I think a lot I think people just get a lot of information that's super applicable to them when they go out into the Elkwoods. And the reason is is because your your passion just like bleeds through the microphone, and y- you could just feel the excitement in your voice every time I hear a show with you on it or watch like a seminar like you like I was telling you you were on the Elk Collective uh, with with my buddy Dirk, and every time I I get done either watching or listening to something with you on it. I'm just pumped. I'm pumped for elk season. And then the reality of, oh, man, it's only April will hit me. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I I feel the same way. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to – I I have a – before we get into the nuts and bolts of of actual elk hunting tips and tactics, we've got a unique one we're going to talk about tonight. Um, I wanted to ask, going back to the last time you were on the show, you told me you talked about 
this time in your life when you were like living in an area where you were taking care of elk and able to monitor them like daily. Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, of course, because <laughs> okay. I did okay. that very, very thing for for many years. I'm I'm just curious. The I guess I bring it up because so um, I my wife and I we just bought some property and uh, we were we moved a little further north out of Coeur d'Alene here, mm-hmm. um, up up in Clark Fork, and mm-hmm. we've got we've got our property and it kind of butts up to some public land and some some other private land and stuff like that. The point being, I've got elk all over this place, and mm. I'm getting a kick out of seeing how close I can get without them knowing, so I could just monitor them behaviorally uh, and see what they see what they do, see what they say. I'm surprised to find out how many or how much cow elk knew at each other, um, you know, in like March in the snow, that kind of stuff. Can you can you talk about? What you learned from being so close to them and uh, any maybe even any tips you'd have for me to be able to just get closer and monitor and and watch them to learn. Does that make sense how I'm asking that? Yeah, that's you're doing uh, exactly uh, what I would suggest. That's that's what I would suggest right there. You know, there's no reason for you to start talking to them. That's not where you learn. Yeah. You're, you're not trying to teach them something. Hopefully you're nope. trying to Whoop, you cut out there, buddy. Can you hear me? Okay, guys, we're back. Uh, sorry about that little mishap there. Um, <laughs> sometimes this is what happens. I, I've said it before. When you get a couple of Idaho boys on the line, um, you know, things drop out. So, Paul, uh, the, we dropped out. You were explaining uh, that, that I was doing it right by not, not communicating with the elk on my land, uh, just observing and listening and watching. Um, and that's kind of where I, I dropped you there. Sorry about that. Hey, it was my fault. Actually, the internet went off on my end. So, you know, what do you do? Like you said, it's Idaho. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I mean, it is what it is. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm super enthusiastic to, uh, to hear about like kind of how that changed your perception of elk when you were monitoring. Cause you were saying you would like feed them and stuff. Yeah. Well, those particular elk, I did. Yes. Uh, uh we, uh, we actually received, uh, the uh, hay from uh, fishing game and they brought in just ton after tons after tons of hay fenced it all in 10 feet high and then in the morning in the evening i would feed them but during the day the these elk would bed all, all within the acreage that we had up there so we were and we're the only home there there was nobody else so it was easy nobody was messing with them other than people would call and want to get invited in and and see these elk because mm-hmm. you couldn't just drive to them. You had to come up to our place and then we could show you, show them to you. But to sit there and listen to these elk and listen to them, you know, bugling, uh, in January, February, March, April, May, until they finally started making their way out as the snow declined, they would follow the snow line. But to sit there and listen to them, uh, I just learned so much. And, 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 and you know, at first it had nothing to do with I need to learn about elk. It really wasn't that. It was, it was, being there and then seeing them day after day and then being intrigued with what I was hearing and watching mm-hmm. and even seeing them out my window and I would see their interaction, you know, and, and, and it was just kind of, that's how it snowballed. And I obviously showed an interest in it. This was a long, long time ago. And, uh, it, one thing led to another, 
but but just seeing the uniqueness of their language their and that what i mean by their language is it was mostly all cow talk mm-hmm. and and i could tell by the difference in the tone or in the emotion the length of the call the volume of the call how it was sending a different message to either a specific elk or the elk themselves as a whole and it took me months to figure that out. Don't think I was out there two or three days and I understood all that. No, sure. this was months and maybe even to the next year or two until I started putting things together as to what what was going on. But at first, I'm like anyone else. I mean, it was just a bunch of elk chatter. I didn't try to, to evaluate anything and say this sound means this and this means that. It didn't even mean squat to me. But in time, I could see the reaction of other elk to the sounds that the others were making. And, and it was like, huh. Ah. And, and that's how it kind of started, you know. It was it was something like that. And then it got me excited to want to be in the field with it. So I'd go out there in June, July, August and try to find herds that were coming up following the snow line and I would sit with them. And I learned even more. So it wasn't just a three or four month thing. It would just go on and on all the way into and through hunting season. And let me tell you something. You could read all the books in the world and all the DVDs and apps you want, but to sit there with them like that and and, and to hear it repeatedly, and that's what hit a home run with me, mm-hmm. is everything I was learning, it was repetitive. And it wasn't like I heard something once or twice and go, oh, this is that. No, I had to keep hearing it over and over in the same context and realizing this is what was going on. And, and, and you know, one thing led to another, and I still learn today. But it, it was just a lot of things that rooted me right there and sprung me into wanting to hunt elk and 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 and, and do it through calling. Mm-hmm. At, at no time during any of that did I ever consider there was going to be an elk nut outdoors or I'm going to make a DVD. Well, at that time, it was a VHS and cassettes and stuff. There was no <laughs> such thing as a DVD. But that's what it was. And, and, and so it, it did end up doing, you know, going that direction. And uh, all the way up until present day, where I actually kind of went back a little bit because as you get older, you know, it's like, okay, I've done enough of this. You know, I'm just going to kind of plateau out and not have such a busy life at it. But still, you don't shake the passion for elk. That you never shake. You yeah, can shake the bi- yeah. the business end of it a little bit to to fit more your lifestyle now. And that's what I've done. But basically, all in all, if you want to know anything about elk, and I mean, you want to know any sound, anything, just ask me because I am so confident. I'm not trying to be overconfident and, and braggart. That's not what I mean. But I know what elk are saying. I know the message that's being sent through each individual sound or multiple sounds. And it's taken me a lifetime to figure it out. But it's enjoyable. You yeah. don't have to kill everything. You just don't have to. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I do enjoy the hunt. Don't get me wrong. But understanding it and getting to that level. There's only a handful full of people, I believe, in the world that can do that, that have that, you know, seek out that avenue because it does take a dedication. There's mm-hmm. nothing you're going to mm-hmm. just go to college for and learn this. I mean, you might get a nugget here and there, but not as a whole. And it's enjoyable to go out there, you know, and just to watch them be themselves and, and understand what's going on. It, it really is. So what you're doing, keep doing it watch their behavior that was one of the biggest things i noticed that you know guys will go oh when an elk barks and they run and they scatter and they're warning everything in the neighborhood you know it's true but elk also show like two other signs without making a sound that can move the entire group 
or a small group, whatever it is out of there by, by, mm. by their body language. Mm-hmm. And, and if, and if you spook an elk and all of a sudden everything goes quiet during your hunt and it's like a cow or a calf or a spike or anything and they pin their ears back and run by the group, that whole herd, it's a, they might have well barked a hundred times because it serves the same purpose. The same thing as if their head is erect they're and anybody that's been visually. Oh, immediately. And as they're running, it attracts all their attention. And so it's like, why are they running? Why is that one running? And the head is erect, just as stiff as a giraffe. And or maybe even the ears pinned back at the same time. And off they go through the group or near the group. And they all read it as a threat in the area. Huh. It's as bad as barking. And so, you know, I learned all these things out there while, while, while I was with them. These are things that you just don't really see in the wild. Yeah. Because a lot of times you're hunting elk. You don't get to see this. You hear everything elephanting out of there like a tramp pm you just stampede out of there i mean but but a lot of times you don't see what's taking place or why they're doing it yeah exactly Exactly. at those times i you know i learned a lot of that so it it made you very cautious of not just bumping elk because you think oh you can get away with it no but as you sit out there with these elk that you are very fortunate to be around you're going to learn the same things that i did it's no different because elk are elk, and, and it doesn't matter if it was 40 years ago or if it was today, they still react the same. See, and what's, what I find really interesting about that, Paul, is, you know, you, I've heard you talk about that in the past, obviously. And there's there's two people that I could think of that can, can really um, kind of intercept or, or um, define what an elk is actually saying and an actual I, I don't know I'm, there's a word that I'm missing in my mind and it's not coming to me but anyway there there's you and there's Chris Rowe that I've I've listened to a lot of that that talk about the different vocalizations that mean different things and and this is why and you guys both have one thing in common and that is you've spent a ton of time intimate time with elk and watching them and monitoring them observing them communicate and so it's it's I, I think what I was trying to say is is I've heard you guys and you specifically talk about this for a long time. But I never was able to translate that into what it looks like in reality until I started spending all this time with elk. And, um, you know, just getting into positions where whether it's through my binos or, you know, there was there was a a, a couple weeks ago. um, You might find this interesting. Uh, There's there's an older cow with two younger adult cows. And then there was two uh, yearling calves kind of off in the off in the brush. But the older cow would make a very specific sound that the adult cows would not even acknowledge, but the two calves would come move closer. And it, it was like she was telling them to, to, to stick around. You know, you're getting too far. Get back over here. Uh, but the adult cows didn't, didn't really care. Um, and so I guess what that's a long way of saying it's, it's now I – from what you have said for a long time and, and how you describe – your interaction with the elk and translating that to being a hunter, uh, it makes a lot more sense to me. And I think that you're exactly right when you talk about that, you know, you can go to all the college you want and, and, and you could do, you could do all the courses you want to do and, and all the different things that are out there educational wise, read the books. Um, there is no education like sitting and observing amongst the elk in their own, you know, area, their own habitat. It's, it's amazing. And, yeah, I, I'm <laughs> I'm so happy we live where we live now. 
Yeah, you know, and so uh, guys like us that that have learned things in in the environment that we did, it it, it behooves us to want to share some of this. And and so there, what you try to do with others is you're just trying to short, shorten their learning curve. You're mm-hmm. you're trying to help them appreciate that they can cut years off of that curve if they just listen to some of the information you can share. And I, I'm a 100% in agreement that boots on the ground is very, very valuable. As a matter of fact, it's invaluable. Mm-hmm. The, the part that's tough is it would take these people 20, 25 years to learn what we're trying to share with them right now. So if that can be injected into some of the things that they, they're experiencing or they're already familiar with, it just helps elevate them right now to make a quick decision in in a hunting situation even if they've never experienced it to say oh this is what i should consider right now because of the guys like myself and chris that have you know shed some light on the on on a specific subject or a specific encounter yeah and 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 that's what you try to really root yourself into is it's the same as golfing you know if you're new at golf somebody and you're 160 yards out and you need a seven or eight iron depending on your swing somebody could say hey you should grab that club and because you're reaching for a three iron right now well i don't know which one i should use you know i've never been in this situation so somebody can suggest you might want to try this uh, club instead of that one for good reasons and it may take you a few tries before you understand the distance behind each one well it's the same by using a certain sound or a, a certain tactic and, and 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 everybody out there knows what a golf club is mm-hmm. everybody out there knows what an elk sound is that's a hunter and and when you look at the 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 big picture and and most guys are hunting not draw areas we love to but we don't all hunt them and that's not what we mostly hunt we're mostly hunting over the counter stuff we're hunting public land we're sharing the grounds with a lot of other hunters yep. but yet but yet you see the, the success rate is at less than 10 percent jim it, it is, but but yet all these guys out there, the majority of them, all know how to call cow, cow call and bugle. All of them do. So why isn't the success rate over 90? It's because it requires so much more than that. You have to understand the language. You have to know how to communicate with elk. You have to understand the different cadences a cow uh, may use uh, through the tone or the emotion or the length of the call or the volume. That is the game changer. And it's the same thing with a bull sound. When a bull is trying to send a message to calling a cow toward him, you know, he may just give a short little a high pitch and maybe some chuckles. And he may do this three or four or five times as the hunter gets carried away and sits there in one spot and tries to call the bull over. And the bull may get a little bit annoyed, may even get a little frustrated. So he raises his tone, you see, and he mm-hmm. starts getting a little bit more aggressive in his tone or of his bugle. And his chuckle may now turn to a grunt getting up because he doesn't he wants her to come and why aren't you coming so he's getting more demanding with his sound so that's all he's doing he's going from a chuckle to a grunt or from a short squeal of a bugle trying to give her a direction she's not coming as he asked so he gets a little more demanding in his tone and it shows an aggressive you can even get into a challenging uh, type of a tone because he's insistent she comes and, and and so once you start understanding these different sounds that a bull will use depending on the situation he's presented with, that's when you start taking notice. It's not every bugle sounds the same, but has five different messages. Baloney. They all change in the tone or the volume 
or the aggressiveness of it. And that is what's changing his mindset or the message he's trying to get across for whether it's a bull or cow he's talking with or his group of cows, you know, and, and, and that's where it's all at. When guys start understanding that guys and gals start understanding that the message is being sent through a different tone by the elk or by them using certain sounds in certain situations, that's when they start seeing a whole lot of close encounters because you're using sounds they expect to hear and you're doing it on pressured elk where everybody is out there hunting, but everybody else is just making just standard cow calls, bugles. They think elk, yeah, they think the elk should just come trotting their way because they sound like an elk. Instead of communicating with them or understanding when an elk is trying to keep them away or they're trying to call them to them. They don't get any of that. They don't understand it. But once they do, it's a game changer for them. That's, I, I want to ask you something about that because that ties into what you were saying earlier with, um, you know, the success rate is less than 10%. And in, and my feeling is uh, amongst the 10% of the success rate, like 90% of those people are the same people every year that put a tag or, or notch a tag. And it's like 1% of that 10% that get lucky every 10 years or so. Um, and, and, <laughs> that's, and that's so true. So I, I guess what 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 begs the question out of that, something like that, is what is what are these hunters doing? Because I really like this topic that, that you were talking about. The, the real, we've all heard these uh, generic calls out in the woods. And we're, we're talking, uh, you know, public land, over-the-counter kind of areas. Um, you hear the... Uh, the the way Dirk does it, um, I've heard him do it a few times, but uh, you hear the doo-doo-doo, basically, and it's the same bugle every time. You can hear maybe even if they're communicating with an actual bull, the bull is getting frustrated, but they don't change the tone. They don't get any madder. They don't get any nicer. They don't get like nothing changes. And so the bull loses interest, in in my opinion. Um, I I. I want to hear you kind of break that down. What are hunters that, cause you've been doing this a long time. Um, and, and you've had a lot of success. I, I think you've, correct me if I'm wrong, Paul, you've gotten an elk or two, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, I, you come from a place of a lot of credibility on this. What as from your observation call wise, what are hunters doing that are just shooting themselves in the foot? Does that make sense? Yeah, they don't know how to work a bull. I mean, and, and the, the sound you're referring to is a yodel, and and that's mm-hmm. what a bull will do. So, and you you know, once in a blue moon, you'll you will hear a bull yodel like that. But I mean, it's so rare. Yeah. Uh, yeah but yeah. what he doesn't do is that same guy tries to grunt or chuckle, and they don't sound anything like the bull. You know, that's where they lose it. Anytime you get a, a person that's yodeling, uh, it, it's because they're using a, a bite and blow bugle. They're not using a reed and a bugle. Yeah, you don't even do that with a reed and a bugle. They're using uh, uh, something where it's attached to the bugle. Like an external call kind of thing? Yeah, I can make one in a second easily doing it by using an external type reed, which I mean, they're like a cow call almost. Bite blows is what I call them. Mm -hmm. And that's fine if you have a a problem with your palate and stuff. But basically, to answer your question, they don't know how to work a bull. They have no idea how to work it. And, 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 and so they, they keep bugling. If bugling is what they're doing, that's what they're doing. And they expect the bull to come running over and cover large distances, you know, from them when you have to know how to work a bull according to the bull you're working. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let me give, give you an example. You have an aggressive bull. Now, what does that mean? So what is aggressive? What does that mean? Yeah. 
Yeah. What I mean, what when when I say an aggressive bull, anybody that listens to this podcast, what does that immediately tell them in their head? And I'll tell you what it means to me. I an aggressive. Go, go ahead, ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was I was just going to say I think most people would interpret that as, oh, he's a really mad, fired up bull, and he's got a lot of emotion in his bugle. Um, but why? There's a reason for it. Because he's got well, a bull I, I know he's got a hot cow, but I I, I don't know if but, well maybe I'm wrong. Correct me. You're the expert. No, there's no. You're right. He has a hot cow. Or there's two reasons why a bull can get fired up and get upset. Okay. Okay. And 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 one of the biggest reasons is he has a hot cow, so he's being defensive. And there's only really two reasons why a bull will be defensive. That's it. There, you can add anything else you want to the equation, and you're just kind of you know shooting for the moon here. But but in reality. A bull will be defensive for his piece of property, his piece of real estate that he's claimed oh, that, his own temporarily. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm, okay. Oh, well, he will. He's he's very defensive over that piece of property, and we're not talking about a satellite. We're usually talking about a mature bull that either has a, a harem, whether it's two cows or twenty cows, it doesn't really matter. He feels the same. You know, it's his it's his piece of property, it's his cows, and he will protect that domain and not let any other bulls come into it. Now, see, that's not the same as the feeding area, and it's not the same as the transition area where he would leave, go to, from feeding to bedding, from bedding to, to feeding. Those are not the same. It's the bedding area. That's his domain. That's his area he will not share. So, but he will share the feeding area. Okay, oh, yeah, that's no that's problem. what I was going to ask you. So he, he will not get super defensive about the feeding area, but the bedding area is a different story. Unless he has a hot cow right Let, next to him got and, a hot and a bull's trying to come in. Oh, yeah, unless a bull's trying to intervene and so take that cow. Can I ask you something on that? Um, when when you're talking about a bedding area and there – let's let's kind of take it from the aspect of it's it's like midday. They, they've, they've been laying down for a couple of hours or, or whatever. That is where I struggle with these elk or these bulls that are, you know, they're bedded down and they give you like this real lazy response, uh, almost like a growl, just a, you know, they, they hear a little locator bugle. Uh, I, I think I asked you this last time. I might just have to go back and listen to that. But, uh, it's, like I'm going to remember that. I know, but, but for me, it's like, uh, for some reason, I always struggle with those. Do you know what I'm talking about? Those real, that real lazy. I've got my bugle tube right oh, here. Oh, no. It's just that. I, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Just a. I always call it kind of the old. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And if you're not really paying attention, you can miss it. And I was hunting, I was hunting this drainage. This was, this would have been two years ago where it seemed like there was one of those on like every finger going up this drainage and, and I would get close and they would just kind of go silent, but then I'd move to the next little area and, and he'd chime off again. Explain that. What, what? Oh, he's telling you to stay away. Get the hell out of there. So it's 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 kind of an ornery get away from me kind of thing. Oh yeah, but I mean, but see, there's no hot cows. I can tell you that already. There's no hot cows present. But, but he's still not he's still not going to accept you. Now, what if you had a cow call? Uh, I I think you I, know I've tried that, and I well, and, no, no, no. I'm not saying to do it. I'm just saying, what if you had a cow call? Then if he gave you any type of a sound, even that one right there, he would have been telling you where they were. Come on over. You see, mm -hmm. that's all I'm trying to show you. It, it doesn't matter, man or woman. He, but uh, but if it's a, a bull, he basically is not inviting you to come up and join his group. So, if but you, you know, before, close... hang on a minute though. Oh, go ahead. Before we get ahead of ourselves, 
I want to go back to your first question. Your first question was about why don't hunter, why aren't they successful? And I'm just going to mm-hmm. hit it real quick and we'll come right back. Yeah, no, I'm glad you this did is that a, actually. This is, this is very important and guys just don't get it. But if you want to start getting in and getting close to elk and calling a lot of elk in and putting them on the ground, you have to understand the type of elk you're working. Distance is key. How close do I need to be to a bull that's not aggressive? How close do I need to be to a bull before I can work either one when he is aggressive? That's the note. Everything you read and you hear others talk about, try to get 100 yards. Depends on the bull. I don't care if they're both herd bulls. Makes no difference. When you're working an aggressive bull, you have to get to that 100-yard mark. Why? Because that bull has a hot cow. He's aggressive. He's defensive. He's guarding his piece of ground. And he could be guarding the cows he has. Again, he's bugling his head off. He's aggressive. No question about it. So distance is factor here. you got to get to that inside his comfort zone if you want to kill that bull. Get him in closer. I'm not going to talk about how what would I do next, but that's where you got to be. Mm-hmm. Now, if say, let's say you had the same bull. He's got the same cows, but he's not aggressive. Nothing's hot. You do not have to be at 100 yards, and you definitely don't want to be aggressive with that bull. You need to get more in the two to 300 yards away from that bull. Get distance. Do not try to call him as you get too close because he's not so stupid when he's, when he's not worked up like that that he knows there's no dang elk right there. So I try to come in and I get in that two or 300 yard mark. That is when I will work that bull. Whether I want to work him with a slope, I'm only going to use two things on him. One of other, one or the other. I'm going to go to a slow play or I'm going to go straight to a cow party. How do I know which one I want? If I want to kill him and I have nothing else, I don't want nothing else to come in. I have to go to the slow play because the slow play will, 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 will cater mostly almost in every situation to bulls. And that's it. If I go to a cow party, I immediately open up the arena for a cow spikes rags or him to come in, mm-hmm. you see? And so, mm-hmm. but distance is a key here. Guys try to go in and be very subtle and they at a hundred yards and they start doing these little cow sounds. You know, I'm not saying it should, it would never work, but you're going to pull in the unwanted so many times. And that is where your problem arises. But, but everybody wants to use their same philosophy, their same calling sequence, no matter what kind of bull they're running into. And they get that distance being the same all the time. And see, this works against them. All they have to do is look at the last 10 times they did it. How many bulls did they get an arrow in or had an opportunity if they would have done it right? Mm-hmm. Probably none of them, you know, I mean, or mm-hmm. one. But why not get nine out of 10 or 10 out of 10 opportunities? You need to change your mindset and you need to adapt to the situation you're presented with. That's why I have top avenues of what tactic I'm going to use depending on the bull's mindset and his attitude. And more importantly than anything, where is he? Okay. After 9, 9.30, he's in his bedding area, and that is going to tell me how I can work that bull right there. It's going to tell me everything. Yeah. I I, I, I want to back up just a little bit on, on what you were talking about there. Is is there a way that you could explain how you differentiate between a bull that's you know aggressive because he's got a hot cow versus a bull that's non-aggressive whether he has a hot cow or he's just kind of you know letting you know he's over there kind of thing piece of cake okay piece of cake. okay okay to give you an example on a, on a bull who is aggressive but he's not aggressive because he has a hot cow 
Okay. Okay. Remember, bulls will be aggressive for two reasons. One, he has a hot cow. The other, he has he's being defensive over his piece of real estate, which is his bedding area. And it can be a large area. His bedding area means he could he could be defensive for that area. I mean, 500 yards in every direction. Seriously. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Not just 100 yards. And so the 500 yards means every time you bugle in that area, he's calling right back to you. And that's a defensive bull. How do I know if he has a hot cow? Other bulls will be there. And they're going to be bugling as much as he is. So you have multiple bulls bugling in an area because they're all competing for that hot cow. They smell that airborne pheromone, which is an airborne chemical that a cow will emit, just the same as a female dog. And I'm sure Chris probably has referred to it. But once you get that that pheromone airborne chemical through urination and it hits the air, that's what sucks those satellites over there. More than just bugling because that will go miles out. It goes a long ways if you're downwind. That makes a lot of sense. Well, that's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> well, making it up. I, I say that. So, I say that because when when you've got an aggressive bull that has a hot cow, there'd be no reason for him to be making noise because he doesn't want to let other bulls know. Unless no, he, he don't is think that def- way. Defending. He, he don't think that way. Oh, he people doesn't think that way. People Hell think, no. okay. That's people See, this stuff. Is why that's I like get you saying <laughs> that's like saying you have to wear camo to kill bulls in the archery season. That's mm-hmm. people people clothes. That's what it is. It, it makes no difference what you wear to an elk. They could care less. Mm-hmm. And I've killed elk with everything wearing and wearing blue, which they say they see. Big deal. So they see blue. Does it mean they're afraid of blue? No. It just means they see blue. So what? It doesn't mean anything. But my point is, is that, you know, at that point, you know, wear what you want. But when you're working an elk like that, you have to understand what they're being defensive for. Again, they don't think like people. They, you know, in that manner. No, yeah. not at all. To To, to say that. Uh, what was your point right there that you said? Basically, my if, if they if they're if they're bugling, that means they know that there's satellite bulls around there. Otherwise, they wouldn't be. But you said that that's that's wrong. They wouldn't be bugling. Well, the hot, no, the hot cows bring those in. The okay. hot cows are what's bringing them in. But the bull does not say, "I need to be quiet now because I don't want to attract bulls." They don't even have the capacity to think like that. That's like the satellites coming in and saying. I need to bugle really low so the the herd bull doesn't realize how big I am or could be. <laughs> I need to make them think I'm a junior. They don't think like that, guys. For, for And why not? Yeah. Because what is the purpose of them standing back at 200 yards and bugling and representing dominance and strength? It's because they're trying to impress the hot cow. They are not trying to talk to Joe Blow, the big bull, that they've already got their pecking order down in August. And they already know they can't whoop them. They know him by his sound, his his sound, sight, or smell. They all know each other in that area. They're not dumb. They know everybody and where they sit in that pecking order. So when these bulls sit back and they're bugling and bugling in a competitive manner, they're trying to demonstrate themselves as a possible breeder bull to the cow or cows that are in estrus or in heat, one and the same. No, no difference there. They're not trying to challenge the bull and whip him. If they did, and there was a bull that was a formidable opponent, he would enter the arena. He would get in the ring with him. No question about it. And when he did, you would hear a lot of that right there. Yes. No question about it. They are trying to compete, and the winner takes all from right there. But, But that's not what these satellites are doing. They realize that that herd bull, when he has a hot cow, he can only mount that cow 
a half a dozen, maybe seven times, eight. It depends on the bull. But that cow is in estrus for at least 15 hours, 12 to 15 hours. I shouldn't say at least, but it runs in that realm. 12, 15, 16 hours, she's in heat. Mm -hmm. And when she's in heat, she wants to be bred. She's not married. She will, When that bull is done and he's spent, she will now seek out the next bull that's a possible breeder, dominant, structured bull that she's been hearing for hours over there. She will now pick one. And if you look them up and you look up on REMEF, you will see that it's not uncommon for one cow to be bred by four to six bulls before she goes out of heat. And so these, that's what these bulls are doing. They're trying to demonstrate that they should be the next bull that she chooses because mm -hmm. she chooses the bull that's going to breed her. The bull doesn't come and just ramsack her and he's going to do what he wants. She can run off and leave him. She doesn't have to sit there. So she chooses the bull or accepts him as the next bull that will ensure that she has a good, strong calf that it can do her hard times, the winners, and everything else that's thrown in her face. This is this, this is the animal kingdom. Deer do the same thing. They want the does want the biggest bucks in the area to mm -hmm. breed them, not the littlest forking horns around. So she's so these cows will, will seek out these bulls like that. So when you have multiple bulls in an area and you have a bull in his bedding area defending all of that. Now you have a great time, a great spot that you can get in tight and try to call his cow away from him or challenge the bull. Whatever you choose, if you decide to call the cow away, the bull, herd bull, knows what you're doing. He knows you're not talking to him. No question in his mind. So what I try to do is if I have an aggressive type like that and I think I'm not ready to challenge the bull, I, he's fired up, but he's not that fired up. You know, calling a thousand bulls into bow range. I know what I'm listening for. I know exactly how I'm going to work that bull and how I'm going to kill him. And I'll tell you this. If I get in and I decide I got a, I got a cow call, I got to call his, his, the cow, the, the hot cow away, I'm going to go in there with a special sound that's going to call directly to her. And what am I going to get from the bull? A detrimental response. Mm -hmm. He is going to tell me to get the hell out of there right now. He's not going to charge me usually on the first attempt. If he does, it's a bonus, but it's rare. Once hmm. I call to the cow, I already know the bull's going to fire back with a challenging type of a tone of emotion behind his bugle. I am going to answer back usually with a subtle growl that lets him know to back off and I'm not going anywhere. And usually when I do it, I just kind of go. That's what I do to the bull. And I go right back trying to call the cow out of there. And when I do, this just raises his temperature. He does not like it. And he comes back even fiercer and now i will go ahead and play the game and throw the challenge out to him as soon as i do that i try to call the cow again and when i do i already know my next move and it's going to kill the bull okay as hold, soon hold as on. he's we, we've got to break go that ahead. down real quick and I, I want to get right back to what you were just about to say but when uh, can you can you show us what you mean by you're talking to the cow with one sound and then you did that growl? And I'm assuming you didn't have a reed in your mouth. You just did that with your tube? I just did it with my voice, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, 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 I've tried that. I've, I've learned that from you. I learned that from you. So uh, you're, you're making an impact. <laughs> What's the sound you're making at the cow where you're talking just to the cow and acting like you're ignoring the bull? Okay, there's two ways to do it. And so <clears> – <throat> Normally, when I when when it, it, again, I, and both ways will work. And sometimes when a bull comes, uh, uh, a satellite comes in, and I'm saying the satellite, and he may be a damn good bull, but he's not the herd oh, bull. Yeah. So yeah. you know, you still have to reference him as a satellite until he proves otherwise. But a lot <laughs> of times they will come in and give uh, two, sometimes three cow calls, 
and all into a scream trying to call the cow over to him all in one note there is no hesitation to where you think was that cow was there a cow there and a bull no it's all one note he doesn't take a breath the other one is when he gives just a short growl and a lip ball and a high pitch very quickly this is directed to the cow and the bull knows that you'll you'll watch if you're cow calling and you get a bull to where he's been trying to call you over and you're not coming he will finally revert to a sound like that where he's insistent demanding get over here now there you haven't even entered a bull into the equation this mm -hmm. is him trying to call you over so a lot of times i will go ahead and do that and if i'm trying to go in and i think man this guy's getting fired quick i don't have to work him too hard he's gonna he, he's gonna answer me back so quick i can just tell you know his mood and so i will give him a sound like this right here to the cow now i'm calling the cow to the cow yep just like that right there okay and he knows i'm talking to the cow where i give that short little lip ball in there i give him just a little bit of a and then right into the lip ball and I, just a short scream okay again okay. and he's calling the cow not the bull now when the bull comes back and I know he is. He's going to come right over the top of me as, as quick as he can because he knows I'm talking to his cow. He, and I'm not talking to all his cows. All I care about is the one that's wearing the shirt that says I'm in heat. That's the only one I care about. That's mm -hmm. the one I smell. That's the one I can scent check there and tell. That's her. And so I've gotten inside the satellite. I'm in this 100 yard or closer, closer range. I want him to come in. I don't want to try to get any closer in most cases because there's so many elk over there. That I'm going to get spotted and busted before yeah, yeah, I can get in there. Busted. So I need him to come to me. And as soon as I do that, he is going to hammer me. He's going to scream. You know, he's going to come to give me something like this. That's what he's going to hit me with something short, quick, and let me know that I'm not welcome. Get the hell out of here or else <laughs> I'm going to call, I'm going to go ahead now and I'm not going to go back to him. I'm going to go right back to the cow sound. And sometimes, you know, if I don't do that, I might do the one where I'm going where you can tell he went all into one note where the bull is trying to call the cow out of there he's not huh. talking to the he's not talking to the herd bull and so um, and i've watched bulls do this that's how i learned all this i watched me and he screamed yeah, for that cow yeah. and the bull just come right over the top now i'm ready for him because as soon as I go into that second, if it takes a third, I'm feeling him out. I'm feeling, is he starting to scream? Is he broke the distance? And he's 15 yards closer. As soon as I know he's made his move a little bit where he, he is just enraged, that's when I go, as he's coming my way a little bit and stops, even hangs up, that's when I go. <laughs> and it's like game over right there. So that's, as that's soon as I hit him with that grunt, that, that, and I want to see you. I want a visual. Come on over here, you coward. That's basically what you're doing. You want him to come. And it's almost like when a bull does that to you first, it's almost like he's drawing a line in the sand and telling you, don't you dare cross it. Because that is the top of the food chain sound that a bull elk can make. Nothing is more extraordinary than that sound. Can That's you, the final sound he'll use. Can you do that again? That little You had that little bark chuckle thing and then the then that lip ball. I, I did the, it, it's just, I gave a nervous grunt where I'm asking him, I want to see you. I want an identification. Okay. And that's what he'll do okay. to you sometimes. And so I'm just going. Wow. 
So you can see I'm upset. Here's yeah, a location yeah. bugle. Here's a location bugle. Notice the difference in, in emotion. Huge not difference, even close. Huge difference, guys. It's and not it's even close. So, it's so easy to, to do that, too. I, I, I'm talking to the listeners. Uh, you know, what, what Paul is demonstrating is the difference in emotion in the two different bugles. And, and that's, I think, what ties into what we were talking about, knowing the elk and the behavior, Paul. And, and this is what I learned from you, is you don't just go trotting through the woods blowing that that uh, a super aggressive mean rah, growling at these bulls out of the blue you gotta you know you gotta you gotta warm them up warm them up a little bit um, and that's a good point right yeah there. yeah yeah so i i uh that's you're I, feeling the situation out you're you feeling know? it out yeah i love it and that's what you're doing but in a situation where a bull will be when you have him in an aggressive nature and you know he has a hot cow because of multiple bulls around this is the tactic that I use. I work. This is what I'm talking about when I say I work a bull. I don't go in and just start screaming, screaming, screaming for no reason. I go in with a strategy. Okay, I'm going to go in. I'm going to try to call this cow away. I know she ain't coming. He ain't going to let her come. But I am going to go in there like, well, like a real elk. Why is that bull coming into 100 yards? Why is, he at 80? Why is he at 80? Because he wants to fight? Hell no, he wants a cow. That's mm-hmm. all he can care about is that hot cow that he can smell. Yeah. So I'm going to try to get in there and call her out of there. And if he comes running at me when I do it, that's great. But most of the time, I got to work him up. I got to hit her. Call, I wanted you to come in. And then when he comes, I just. And sometimes, you know, I'll really get him fired up. God, that because... sound is crazy. How do you do that? That Just with your throat, your guttural, bringing it up okay, from your I gotta stomach. Try I got to try that. I got my tube here. <laughs> Well, so sometimes they'll even pant first. There you go. D- did that work? Could yeah. You hear it? Okay. Oh, okay. heck yeah, I could hear it. I, I love but, it. And, and sometimes if you really want to get emphatic with it, you, you have to under again, you're understanding what each elk sound represents. As I'll start with some pants first. And because, see, anytime a bull pants, it denotes excitement, annoyance, or frustration. He doesn't do it for any other reason. So understand what that sound represents. And now you can add it to that growl. You see, if you want to go in first, kind of going, mm, okay, kind of a, <laughs> you see, it bulls will do that to you. And so I've you want to separate yourself. I love it. I've yeah, heard Joe Hunter, and you want to play the game, even though you're going to really raise the bar and start screaming in a minute. You get them. I mean, I've had bulls coming in and they're just heated. I mean, they're. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're heaving. They're so mad. And then, man, you just hammer him. I mean, once I get him to that level and I know they're walking, you know, that bull I called in, it was been three years ago now. And I've called a lot of bulls using it. But three years ago, I can remember calling this bull in for my son. And I was probably 25 to 30 yards behind him. And I could tell the bull from his sound. I had him just screaming. And he, I'm going to guess he was at the time I know now, Paul told me, but I was guessing he was still a hundred, maybe 115 yards out. I know it's kind of odd. You try to put that 15 yards on, but uh-huh. it's just kind of, when you've been in a lot of elk, you can just tell there's, ah, that's not a hundred. He's like, a, and he was screaming mm. and he did not move after two bugles. And as soon as I, I felt in my, in my gut, okay, this is it. I have to go like this. <laughs> All I could hear was running. 
I mean, just stomping, running as crashing as fast oh, as yeah. he could He's come. Mad, huh? Oh, Coming right at, at me. I mean, just screaming. And my son ended up shooting him on a frontal because he came in so fast. <laughs> he shot him at 17 yards. And, oh, man. That's and so it was exciting. a big bull. 345. Oh, big no bull. kidding. No oh, yeah, it was Public land five and five aids. Oh, and, and fantastic. So, and I and I sucked him in from over 350 yards away. I worked him up and I kept working him and working him and working him with a slow place. How I started. And all of a sudden he started engaging. And the next thing you know, it was just boom, boom, boom. And he came running across a burn. And Paul saw him running from 300 yards away. And that's where he stopped in that little over 100 yards. And we were just trading screams for a couple. That was it. I already knew. Okay. This is it. I got to convince him. And so I basically was telling him, don't you dare cross. And when I hit him with that, he basically hit me with almost the same thing and came in at a dead run. And, 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 and you know, so if you just stayed with those location type bugles or, or a bunch of cow calling and a little bull bugle, nine times out of ten, he'd have never bought it. This guy was no dummy. He's too big to be dumb. Mm-hmm. But he bought the situation. And actually, I was right near his wallow. There was a wallow there that was beat to crap. And he was pretty muddy himself. I had actually came up and he had just left that wallow and I didn't know it. And he was in the proximity. And so having another bull come into his domain like that in the way that I did and then push him around and me saying, basically, I kind of like this area. I think I'll take it from you. You know, that's what you're really doing. You're challenging and you're pushing him around. And uh, no, he wasn't going to be pushed around. No matter how big I sounded, and how great I thought I was, I didn't sound nothing like him. Hmm. Let me tell you, no man would. He was incredible, but I to have I, him come in and play the game is just, it's, it's phenomenal. You're one of those guys I wish like when I'm, uh, because as you're going through all these different things that you're talking about, Paul, I, I like, it, it puts me in situations that I screwed up, you know, that I shouldn't <laughs> have. And it's like, I wish, I wish you, I, I could like put you on my shoulder or something and you could ride around. You could be my little voice in my head. Nope, nope, nope. You're screwing it up, Jim. Back up. You know, do this, do that. Make that sound. <laughs> That's where the app comes in. Yeah, that's where the that, app comes this in. This stuff yeah. is on the app, man. It it's is. All, it's there. Yep, yep. And <laughs> and I, I love it. And so um, I I want to – well, let me ask this before because you, you just brought it up. The slow play. Um, I have found the slow play to be extremely effective – but where I screw it up is I'm solo most of the time, and and the bull kind of tends to catch me off guard. Uh, l- like this this last season, I had one I thought for <clears throat> sure he was going to come right in front of me, and then kind of turn to come into this uh, small little clearing. Th- th- this was r- super thick country, um, and and it sounded like he was coming right towards me, right in front of me. But so I'm I'm actually at full draw, and this sucker somehow pops out directly to my left but when i turned i had a bunch of willows in front of me and i couldn't shoot uh yeah. and he saw me turn um so you know that is probably i want to say that's the third possibly the fourth time i've called a bow into shooting range or a bull into shooting range using that slow play method that uh, i learned from uh, it was either your app or from the last time you were on the show where I couldn't get an arrow off because I'm solo and I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Do I need to move after going through the slow play sequence? Do I need to move forward? Do I need to, what like, I know you can't tell me what I'm doing wrong because you're not there, but do you have any tips for, for somebody that hunts solo using the slow play method? You know, that's exactly what I do. I I move. As a matter of fact, I don't just move. I have a predetermined spot to move to before I ever started. See, you have to remember that when you're working a slow play, this isn't like, oh, everybody get ready. Come on, come on. It's yeah, yeah, like no, that. they come in. Qu- you have yeah, all the time yeah. in the world. 
It's it's no big deal. So I, it's very common for me to play the role of the shooter and caller. So it's like, where would I put the shooter from right here? And, and that's how I look at it. And so I'm going to look, okay, I would put the shooter right over here. And, 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 and so that's an area that I'm going to concentrate on as soon as I go through it. And especially once I get him to respond, because when you do the slow play right, for me, as many times as I've done it at countless, I don't even know how many between my son and I, we always get the bull to engage. I've never had a bull come in silent. I've had guys come back to me and say, I had bull come in silent. Anything can happen because there's other elk out there as opposed to the one that you know is there that you heard or saw going to the timber. So, you know, things like that can happen. You know, it's just elk hunting. And, but, but actually I've never had it happen. I mean, I usually get him to engage. And I think the reason I get him to engage is I really stick to the script. When a person finds elk coming in silent on them, what I have found out in the past is they're doing way too much cow calling. Remember, cow calling is limited. You're only given a couple of sounds. That's it. You plant the seed and you're done until you, that, that two or three minutes is gone. And then you give it a couple more times. That's it. But I find that guys are, meow, 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 meow. Mm-hmm. They're, just, they're doing way too much because you know why? They think every bull wants a cow. Well, it's not true. They could care less half the time or else he'd be just going nuts over your cow call. But he's not. It's like he's not saying anything. Until you're going through the bull sounds, you're panting, you're glunking, you're raking, you're stomping around, you're 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 kind of giving the old uh, uh, when I'm giving a moan a lot of times around uh, when I have a cow, I'm kind of going like a yeah, and, and yep. bull will make yep, those that's exactly moan. Yep. and you're just talking to the cow. You're not trying to alert the world. You don't even care if he hears it. But you know he is. And as you're doing these things and you're moaning and you're just, you know, like I say, then you're starting to kind of just. And when I see guys gun, here's how they gun. Guys, get the app. Listen to it. They're not going. This is, I see them on time on, online. I watch some of the YouTube and they're. This is what they're doing. Have you not ever heard a bull yeah, gun? I've never heard them do that. They don't do that. Uh, here's how yeah. I do it. Tell me how, how this sounds. Does that does that sound okay or that's can you much hear more it? natural? Much more natural. And yeah. that's what a bull will do. Sometimes he'll double up, but most of the time they're they're single. They're but they're not they're not like this. Yeah, it's it's and not that's a what I see guys drum. do. Yeah. No, and so and so what happens? It carries over into the rest of their calling. They're too rapid. They're they're doing too much in a too little time. You need to tone it down, calm down. You're talking to a cow that's five, ten feet in front of you. You're not trying to do something. Yeah, you're, I don't know what they think. I, I don't they either. Just get too excited over the situation. Yeah, yeah, and and I guess what what I was implying, like they might the bulls that I was referring to, it's not like they're coming in totally quiet, but they're not pissed off, drooling, eyes rolled back, coming, you know, slobbering, mad, bursting through no, the brush. You know what I mean? No, they're not doing that, but they're still giving you their position enough mm-hmm. that you know they're coming. So when and you that say, is when I move. That's when I move because well, they're going to commit. They're going to keep coming. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree. I agree. And and I, I would encourage everybody listening, if you don't have the ElkNet app to be able to watch the slow play, you, you've got to, you've really got to learn that and practice it before season because it's super effective. The thing is dynamite. But when you say move forward, Paul, um, are you saying like move forward 40 yards or oh, heck no, 15, 15. I'm okay. talking. And when I move, I'm not, I'm, I am moving forward, 
but not toward the bull. I'm moving left or right. Okay. So you're trying to get I don't, a side want, shot. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, and, and not only that, once I move, I don't call again. I make him think he, I'm where he, I, I'm where the last sounds he heard. And I only do this when I know he's committed. It, it, you know, it's like last, uh, this last year, I brought this bull in through raking. All, I mean, uh, slamming the antlers. Mm-hmm. All I did, I was slamming the ass, not all I did, but that's how I finally got it. And once I knew he committed, that's when I moved. But you see, and that's the key right there. You can tell when he's committing because then most times he starts engaging. He gets excited. You can hear his bugle. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden it's here. And now maybe four or five minutes go by, and now it's here. I already know he's coming. So now all I do is just keep sweetening the pot through the sounds. I know he's still far enough away. I can still move without being detected. And I've already got a spot up there approximately where I want to go. Maybe I can make it. Maybe I can't. But I'm going to get out of that spot where I'm avoiding the frontal if I can or having his eyes pegged right on that spot as he comes in. Okay. And so I'm really trying to go left or right. And, and what dictates that is which way is the wind going? If the wind is blowing to my left on my, you know, to kind of to my left cheek, mm-hmm. that's where I'm going. I'm not going to go to the right. Sure. Sure. You see, I don't need to, I can go right there because what I find on almost every situation I call in, and I'm not just talking about the slow play. My main, my four main things that I employ is, is a full send challenge. That's what we talked about a lot of. That full sense means that hard grunt and the scream as the last thing he heard. Then I got the breeding sequence. Okay. Then I have the slow play. Then I have the cow party. Those are my four main ingredients that I will use year in and year out. Yeah. Once in a while, throw in an advertising, but I don't even care. I can make it work with one of those four. But what I will tell you this more than anything is nearly every elk that comes in comes the shortest distance. He is not trying to get around me. Neither is she. Cows or bulls, they come right at me. You're talking. Some of, you're you're talking about uh, the, the the discussion around where they're trying to get your wind and move. You know, get around. Nah, get they don't even do that. They could care less about doing that. See, if I, a bull, I if an elk is trying to get your wind, you did something wrong. I can't and tell you how And now many, they're suspicious. I can't tell me how many times I've had that debate with people that. they don't don't. they like i'm sure maybe it does happen i'm sure it does whatever but i have found like i i had a bull at less than 20 yards from me and i've talked about this dang bull uh since it happened (laughs) about every episode uh but uh my my bow got hung up in my my camera that was attached to my shoulder and oh. so screwed my shot up. Wow. He was in some willows, gave me gave me a two second opportunity, uh, and I, I and I would have killed him, but I screwed it up because I my my string got caught. But anyway, point is the wind was going right at him. He came over the hill, and he's coming down the hill. It's mid afternoon, and so thermals are going straight up at at right from me to him, and he came down looking for me. And did not bother to go check my wind, and that happens all the time to me. So I think that there is. I don't want to call it an exaggeration, but when um, I, I don't know how to say that without making people think that, you know, you don't need to throw caution to the wind when it comes to to the, an elk's nose, but you don't need to like sensationalize it either. You know what I mean? Like they just, it's not a big deal, but it, I wanted to say real quick too, uh, guys, these sequences that Paul is talking about are all on the elk, elk nut app, which is probably the oldest app I've got on my phone here. 
Um, the slow play, creative cow calling sequence, breeding sequence, blind cold calling sequence, and advertising sequence. So all those are on, and you—that's all on video too, right? That's within the yeah, app. and and, and we're, I'm actually redoing all that this year. We're, are you? I'm gonna have over I'm gonna have over 20 videos on there this year of explaining a ton of stuff. That's all gonna be added to the app on streaming, so you don't have to download them to watch them. You can watch anything you want at any time as long as you have Wi-Fi. But if there's a few of them that you think will apply to your style of hunting or your the terrain you hunt, then you can download them separately so that when you're out of Wi-Fi service, they're there and you can watch them at camp or right during the hunt, yeah. or you can download them all. But I, I wouldn't recommend downloading them all because it eats up more server space on your phone. So just use the ones that that uh, might be the most important to you. That's but every, other than that, yeah. most everything else is on there. And once it's on your phone, downloaded, you can watch it you know, basically anywhere, but there is a whole lot of new stuff, the whole entire format of it is going to change. Uh, the information will still be there, but, yeah. but the whole look of it, and we're going to have tons and tons of photos of uh, elk that we've taken. And we're also going to have pages of your elk, of people who have sent us their elk, uh, you know, only so many. Cause I mean, I have like 5,000 of them. I can't yeah. put everybody up there, <laughs> but there'll be probably a couple hundred here and there and replace some with new ones and things like that. So, yeah, you know, it, it's really nice to see uh, people's success and how they uh, attribute it to, you know, some of the stuff they already knew and some of the stuff to the app that, that maybe filled in a small void that they just need that needed attention because there's a lot of good hunters out there. I had a guy <clears throat> I talked to just yesterday that said, I've been elk hunting 40 years, Paul, with a bow. And he says, I cannot believe how much I learned from you. I, th I thought I knew a lot. And I said, well, you do know a lot, but it, we can all still learn something yep. and to fill in those little pieces of the puzzle that just might make things click, mm -hmm. you know, where maybe we had questions. But at the same time, yeah, the app is good. But discussions like this are also very unique and they're very helpful if people will start realizing where they're making their mistakes. Sometimes it's just a distance. Sometimes it's a solo hunter. And they fail to move. They fail to think in their head. They must play the role of the caller and the shooter. So having a, a design spot up ahead where, okay, I know the bull is moving my way. Uh, you have to have the confidence that he's going to keep coming, even though you've stayed silent now from where you last moved. He's going to keep coming. You must stay patient. Sometimes they're there in two minutes. Sometimes they're there in 15 minutes. But be patient and don't move and root through your pack. Have your bow at ready, your arrow knocked. He's coming in. He's just slipping in now, this last bit. He may even come in, you know, uh, 50 yards and start raking, mm -hmm. depending on the yep, situation. Yep, I've had him and let that. you know he's, yeah, he's right there. Or he may come in and make a sound or looking for you. He may even make a little cow call. You just yeah, don't I was know. Gonna, he may that's not... funny you said that. I was going to say that. Well, exactly. he does all I had, kinds of things. Yeah, I had one come in, and, and he was bugling at first. And then as he gets closer, all of a sudden he starts kind of cow calling. It's, he just kind of goes, Meow, and that's all he'd do. And, and he'd stop. And look around, and he'd walk a little bit. Meow. Stop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was it was the craziest thing, but um, yeah. I screwed and so that yeah, you know, and so you know, it's things like you're talking about right there that unless a hunter experiences it, he didn't know they did that. Yeah. And yeah. so this is something that somebody learned just really quick right there. It's like a a, a podcast I gave. Uh, I, I was talking to Dan State. And that's who it was. Elk Shape. He's a great guy. He's a great uh, guy. Are you guys yeah, ever he, gonna I, go I, hunting I together? 
What's that? I said, are you two ever going to go hunting together? I don't know. We were going to that one year, but that's when COVID hit yeah, the worst. I remember that. And blah, blah. Yeah. That was the beginning of it. And it was new at that time and blah, blah, blah. But uh, no, I'd love to hunt with Dan yeah. as long as he allows me to keep up with him. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, I'd love to hunt <laughs> with him too. An but animal, he, he'd, he'd leave me in the oh, dust. He's, he, he's amazing. Oh, he would leave yeah. anybody in the dust probably. Yeah. But that's all right. You know, it's not a competition. Yep. Once you yep. get out there and you're working the country and you're working a bull, you know, things do slow down and, 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 and we would be just fine. I, I haven't had any trouble keeping up with the elk yet. So, yeah. you know, it, it, I, I choose the country. I like the, the steeper country, the dark timber. Once you, they get into the area, they want to live and yeah. be there for that day. You don't have to be a triathlete to get to them. You just have to be motivated, persistent, and, 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 you know, physically able to do it. Of yeah. Course. You got to be physically, it, it, it's going it, to, obviously it would help to be Dan Staten level. Right. But, yeah. you know, I always tell people, you know, I will get there. I may not get there as fast as some others, but I'll get there yeah. faster than uh, some, you know, maybe other people. Uh, the, the point is, is that that doesn't matter to me. I will get where I need to be when I need to be there. Um, and, and, and that's all that matters to me. And so that's Okay. I guess that leads me to the question. The, the, the biggest thing that uh, I wanted to kind of talk about on this episode with you, it's a, it's a super unique thing. Uh, you posted about it the other day, um, and it is kind of on the subject of rattling bulls uh, to you. Obviously, this is a technique that's big in the whitetail world. Um, I've used it on whitetails uh, to, to, you know, really good success. I've, I've rattled in lots of uh, little bucks. Or I'm sorry, whitetail bucks. Not well. Some of them were little, Paul. I'll be honest with you. No, I understand. Yeah, <laughs> I'm there. I got you. I've I've shot big bucks and little bucks. Um, but anyway, the 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 rattling technique on on whitetail deer uh, has been effective, and it's always kind of left me with the question as to you know why would this not work on elk? They hear they hear the the rattle going on. They're going to get curious. Elk are curious animals. Uh, I, I feel like they're a communal and they, they want to know who's fighting, who's what's going on over there. I'm going to go check it out. Um, so can you elaborate on that and tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of expand on the post that you made uh, and talk to us about rattling elk? Well, it, rattling is just like, you know, calling elk. It's just another tool is, is what it is. And, and sometimes it's it's the it's the thing that makes the difference. And that's why most of the time if I'm rattling for bulls, it's like the final stage of the sequence because it's what's needed. Uh, maybe I went through the slow play, and that's what I did last year on this bull. And I had the four by five elk antlers that I, I will carry if I'm going to uh, be the caller and or, or caller shooter sometimes. Last year I was the shooter. And so uh, it, it, the, the antlers did not come out until I could tell through the slow play, he was not closing the distance. I had him at about, it's pretty open, but I had him at about 400 yards long ways, and mm -hmm. I could just hear his bugle. But there was a lot of open country to get up to that knoll, and I know how those bulls are sometimes. That you know, Even though it was 250 yards to the knoll, the minute you decide you're going to move and close the distance, he's standing up there behind a tree branch just staring down there. you know. And I've been there a lot of times and got busted, and so I had to hold position. But he gave a bugle. Probably, I don't even know, for maybe 15 minutes as I went through the slow play. And he would call back. And, but at the same time, 
he did not call back like only at the bugle or only at the cow call. It was like he called back randomly on his own. Mm. And so it wasn't nothing specific. So I was reading him. I'm saying, okay, he's answering. He is responding, but he's not answering, I should say. And because, like I said, I'd been done for something for 15 seconds and then he'd sound off. It wasn't like right after a specific sound. And this went on for maybe 20 minutes. And I'm like, okay, he's showing interest. And it was an evening hunt. He's showing interest, but he's not he's not worked up. He's not curious enough, or I have not sold him enough as a salesman that I do have a hot cow right there. So I'm going to have to raise the ante on this one. And and so what I ended up doing since my son was there is I sent my son back, and I had already talked to him about this. And so we knew what we were going to do. And so he went back about 80 to 100 yards, like another bull was coming in. And he screamed at me once I bugled. I bugled, panted, did around stuff that I was working through my slow play. And this bull answers, which was my son. And so within 60 seconds, which was our plan, he kept moving up like 15 yards and making his bugle more intense, more intense, more intense. And so was I. And finally, it got to the point where I had him come in all the way to me. And and I made a few cow sounds in there. Kind of, uh, uh, I actually was getting a little more wild with the cow sounds. Yeah. You know, oh, really? like I was hooking okay. her and holding her. And as that other bull came in, I just slammed the antlers and I started crashing and crashing. And I started moaning and panting and heaving through my bugle and hitting the ground and crashing the antlers. And as I did this for maybe, I'm going to say 30 seconds, all of a sudden the bull bugled and he was like half the distance. Oh, and really? I mean, oh, he just came. <laughs> this oh, sold wow. him. You see, what did it sell him? That it, I have a hot cow. Yeah, you so got now a hot this cow. other bull came in competing and is trying to push me around. I'm trying to push him back because I actually had a hot cow there. This provoked that bull all the way down, and here he came all the way. Well, it was a bull that I decided I didn't want to shoot. He was a six point, but he wasn't very big six point, and so uh, it was on a hunt that was a draw hunt, and so I didn't oh, want it. And, oh, but gotcha. the point is, is it sucked him right in the rest of the way right there and it was so fun just for my son and i to see this bull just coming he committed all the way down can you and he you know so it was just cool (laughs) it's super cool i mean it's super cool it's so funny that that you brought this up because i i've uh, again it's worked well for me um on on whitetail it has it has kind of worked on mule deer uh once Mm -hmm. once i got I, i didn't get that buck but uh and it just makes logical sense that it would work on elk so um curious if you've you, you mentioned you had those antlers sitting there can you kind of demonstrate what what noise you did with them and are you just using like some shed antlers you found kind of thing no these are this is a bull i killed actually and so oh okay it's, it's been a long time ago and uh yeah it's actually a four by five bull and uh and the reason i picked this one is because they stand maybe 28 inches tall. I'm looking at them right now. They're about 28 inches tall. And on the eye guard area, I cut them off and, and, and sanded them down so I wouldn't jab myself, you know. Oh, and, uh, good idea. And, and so, but but the, the, uh, the third point on this one is real short. Both of them are only in like four and a half, five inches. So they make really good area where I can grip my hand like a knife handle and suck it right up to it and not stab myself. But most of the elk I've watched uh, spar around or come click, you know, clanking into each other, unless they're just monster bulls. Most of the time they tickle each other. Mm-hmm. They're they're testing mm-hmm. the waters. You know, what have I got myself into? And most every time you watch bulls that are, are, are competing with each other or sparring, 
you pay attention to this. They're almost the same size bulls every time. Yeah. You hardly ever see a little four point trying to duke around with a six point. Yeah. It's just, I, I've never seen it, but I see the bulls like two dumb. fives, two, a, a five by six, you know, I mean, that's what they're doing. Yeah. They kind of size each other up and then they come in. Mm-hmm. But I, usually when I start, I'm kind of, I, I, I'm testing the waters kind of. They're kind of feeling each other, not pushing and shoving. They're kind of like, do I want any part of this? And you notice these are elk antlers. They sound, they have a lot more bass to them yeah. than a deer antler does. Yeah. And so I'll kind of just, like like they're shoving, pushing, testing, and then I'll go through the sound. I'll have my bugle right here. I'll have my reed in my mouth, which I don't right now. But I start, I'll, I'll even pant through the bugle. You know, I might just, and a lot of times you'll, You'll hear a bull starts wheezing as they step back from each other. I'll be clanking the antlers for maybe 15, 20 seconds, and I'll go. Hmm. Oh, yeah. You'll hear these bulls kind of wheeze. Yeah, They're yeah. not panting. Worth a... They'll do that, too, but they'll go. And, uh, and, and so that's what I'll do. I actually have a video of a bull. Oh, yeah, they'll, they'll do that. And, okay. and this guy had, had gotten a bull. It was fishing game. They had a bull, and they got him in the back of the trailer. You might have seen the bull, the, the video. It's on YouTube. It's the only one I've ever seen. But I've heard bulls do it as they come in. They get worked up. They got this bull. It's a nice six-point. And he's backed up, and he's staring out the opening. And as the fishing game guy is walking up to the front of it, that bull's warning him. And he's going, <sighs> and you can tell he that bull's, that guy's like, uh-oh. It's like he's getting ready to. To like a like a real uh you know a bull a bullfighter like he's yeah, yeah. with his paws his hooves and now he's gonna and he's just blowing and I've heard bulls do this before as they get into a competitive spirit and they get and bulls get close they'll start doing that and so I'll use sounds like that along with the the raking as they come in and usually when I use the 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 wheezing like that I hit him harder because now he means more business as he comes in it's more of a you see, there's no more of that little yeah. tickling. Yeah, yeah. No more of that. And as I did that, that bull just started lighting it up, igniting it. And we didn't even answer him. Nothing. Oh, that's fantastic. Everything was between these two bulls now. And, I mean, he came in so fast. But I've huh. done this on, 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 on several bulls. This wasn't the first one I ever called in. But a lot of times I will use it uh, during a breeding sequence. If the bulls aren't – because I only use a breeding sequence at a specific time. When there's multiple bulls, satellites and they're using some good satellites in there with a herd bull and i'm just trying to suck a bull in for the shooter he's willing to shoot a five five by six six he don't care it's over the counter and so i will go through the breeding sequence and then make them think in that breeding sequence that another bull came in and that's when i'll smack the antlers letting them know still all the cow sounds are still being in play as well as the heaving and the pushing and the and the panting and the glunk and you're doing everything and if you ever watch them bulls bull, around a hot cow, it's not uncommon for them to start glunking either. Not even close to uncommon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and sometimes when I'm doing that, I'm doing my with my mouth now because I'm busy with everything. So sometimes it's like spitting a hair off your lips, kind of going. That's all you have to do. Just dumb thing. Sometimes I'll click my roof, my, my tongue against the roof of my mouth. and I'll go. As you know, and, and it just sells it. Okay. That's all it does. doesn't have to be super loud. I mean, these elk are right there. They hear every little thing. Their ears <laughs> are so much better than ours. So yeah, as you're yeah, going through they, your, 
your demonstration, your display in there, you're just incorporating all these little things that makes it so real to them. And, and that's what keeps them coming. So when I'm doing all this, you can imagine I'm in a spot they cannot see me. So they have to come into range. If it's by myself, they have to come in to a range before they can see the source or they have to come into range to the shooter where it's not as important where I'm at. I'm still covered. I'm still secure. I'm, I'm still secluded. So when I'm, uh, when I'm integrating it, it's like a breeding sequence. It's like at the end of the slow play. You see, I, I could even do it on a, uh, uh, if I wanted to integrate it to a cold calling setup of some sorts, uh, it works really good on advertising. Uh, it's April. I mean, it's August 30th. You have a bull that bugled down in this draw. And he won't say another sound because it's early. They don't, they don't even care Not about a cow at this time. Yet, yeah. But he gave his position away. So I get down in there. I'm trying to get within two or 300 yards of him. And I start advertising myself. And I'll just go ahead and sing around kind of like. <laughs> little stuff. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm whining, just little stuff and keep going. And if nothing happens after literally 10 minutes, I start bringing the antlers. And a lot of these early season bulls will start getting their pecking order like that and they'll tickle each other, just bang, 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 nothing real aggressive. Yeah, just kind of make yeah. this little sound. Deer do that too. But yeah. the point is, is it sucks this other guy in. He just has to see who are these guys? Who are they? Because they know elk in their area by their sound mm-hmm. and they don't know who it is. And if you just keep up the persistence, they just keep coming and coming. And I hardly ever have them engaged. There's no bugling. There's nothing. They just show up and they just keep they just keep coming forward. I mean, they don't have any VCRs or TVs or elk. they can't text one another. And so when mm-hmm. they hear this, it just draws on their curiosity. It's an early season thing. And you start clanking those antlers and just make it real. And then I'm telling you, the next thing they do is they just show up. You could sit over there and cow call your rear off and they just like don't even care. They don't they don't come at all. Mm-hmm. They, they're already around other elk somewhere because they're herd animals. But the point is, is that it, it, it's another area where you can actually get elk worked up and have them come sneaking in, looking, looking, looking. They want to see you. And so there's different areas. If you're if you're in a fired up area and you're into the breeding sequence again, I, I mean, you can really work it up with the antlers if you want then. I just find that so many times I don't have to go to that level because by going through all the sounds and working them up with the cow sounds and a couple of contact buzzes where I'm trying to keep my cows together because the cows will do that as they're trying to, you know, when there's four or five, six that you're, that, that you're implementing uh, in the, in your sequence of a, of a, of a, of a breeding sequence, a lot of times you'll hear the cow of some of, of, of the elk in the area, even youngsters are getting a little too far. You'll hear mom all of a sudden go. Hey! Mm-hmm. And that's what she'll do. And you, you know, you don't have to do it 50 times. You just do it a couple. That's it. And all of a sudden it just makes everything real. You know, it's been two years. I don't know if I ever told you this really quick story. I was calling, I called this bull in for my son and, 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 and it was over the counter and it was just really a good bull. I mean, it, it is a super nice. I mean, it's a 300 inch bull, really nice. We were no more than a half mile off of a dirt road when I heard him up on the mountain. We were doing some calling just before daylight. And anyhow, we got this bull to, to respond. And we go in there and I work the bull up 
bring him in, and Paul shoots him at five yards and kills him. Jeez. So I, I had left my pack. It was raining really hard. And I left my pack down below. I knew the area really well. We'd killed elk in there before. And it's steep, really steep. And, you know, I, I, being 64 at that time, you know, it was just like, ah, you know, I, I'm going to drop this <laughs> so I can keep up. It's, and we had three setups on it. And it's just straight up and it bent, straight up and bent, straight up and bent. And we killed him on one of the benches when we finally caught him. And so I went, go down and get my pack and I come back up. And when I do, my son is saying, he, he, he's shushing me. And he's sitting right next to the elk. And I'm like, what do you mean? He says, like his cows are trying to call him back up. And I go, what? I didn't hear anything when I first went up there. He says, there's like six of them. They're maybe 50, 60 yards above. It's real thick. We couldn't see him. Oh, wow. And they're trying to call the bull back. And so I sat there with him and he told me, and all of a sudden I could hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of and that growly mute. I didn't make the actual sound. Um, there, here's the sound they were making. Okay. They kept dropping their note, dropping their note instead of just a normal, you know, kind of a the mirror. Instead of that, they were very vocal and they kept going, dropping the note. And after about a minute of it, one of the cows went like this. Ah, she's getting frustrated. She was giving the contact buzz, yeah, demanding him yeah. to get up there. Come on, get up there. And so we're just sitting there. We sat there for, I don't know, close to 10 more minutes. And every two to three minutes, that one cow would do that. She hardly ever did it compared to the cow calling. And mm. she just kept hammering that contact. <laughs> and we're sitting there trying to, with our hands over her mouth, just laughing like, what a perfect example of how the cows are trying to use like the short regathering mute. I think Chris calls it an assembly mute. I've always called it a regathering mute for 25 yeah, yeah, years. Yeah. And, like, and she drops that note. And that's what they were doing until that one cow would come in with the contact buzz. And and she they were trying to encourage that bull to get up there. Well, lo and yeah. behold, he's sitting there dead. All of a sudden, <laughs> out of nowhere, after about 15 minutes of this, a bull comes in above him about 200 yards away. And he screams that short lip ball roundup for them to come on up. And as soon as he hit them with that, they turned around and started giving the sound that they normally do. I could hear them all going. Real rapid, and they're running right toward him. And huh. I was like, "Oh, why can't I have a tag? I'd already killed the bull. And if I had a tag, I'd have sucked that bull right in. I had to call that bull in so fast. I knew exactly didn't, what to do with him. Didn't your son have a tag for that second bull? My son is the one that shot the oh, bull. Oh, he is the one. So you didn't. Have I a tag. called the bull into five yards, and Paul. That's shot what I it. thought. Okay, so, so I you, had already just, killed the bull. I got an idea. I went to get my pack. I got. I, I got an below. idea. I got an idea, Paul. I feel like you need to adopt another son. Uh, and I'm your yeah. man. I'm your man. Like, I'll go with you. And there you go. I'll make sure you never leave your pack. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, a good one. God, that's but anyway, awesome. that that's was a awesome great story. learning experience. Yeah, for, for sure. For us, as well as, you know, cementing thoughts in your mind and just watching, you know, how they how that uh, that that sound was used, because so many people will claim it's an estrus call. It's an estrus, but it's not. It has nothing to do with it. I've had elk make that sound uh, as they were calling other elk around. I'm, I'm sitting out there in May and June and I can hear them using that contact buzz mm -hmm. out there. I actually have a couple of videos of it that I, that I have where elk were, where cows were using this sound well outside of breeding seasons 
just to show people that it's just not me saying it. I want you to hear them using these sounds in situations where they're trying to bring the group back over to them. Or in my instance, when one of the ones I was out there, it was probably June 5th or 6th. I was watching some cows. Mm -hmm. uh, I had snuck right in and I, I, I had probably got in within 30 yards of them. And I've just been sitting there and I got kind of cramped and I waited for them. So they weren't watching in the area I was at or looking kind of, casually that way and i moved and when i did i looked to my left there was another cow standing there. i never even saw her i didn't even know she was there and as soon as i did she froze up and just stared and of course i'm trying to look like a bush which didn't go for very long <laughs> and all of a sudden she just started hammering that sound just uh, uh, but rapid and fast loud and when she did every elk out of there exploded and she ran it was like barking but she wasn't barking. She was just hammering that sound long. She was going, so you weird. Put your like voice. That, just, I want to try that real quick and just see voice inflection. Does that sound right? I mean, that's close. It like if you're doing a cow call, it's kind of going. Then she goes. And so she's going, kind of buzzing it. Yeah, exactly like that. And look on the app. It's on there. You'll hear cows making that sound. All right. So so it, you guys listening, um, this is the episode that you guys take your call while you're driving to, to work or back from work. <laughs> and, and you just kind of mimic these sounds and pause it as you need. Now, the only thing I would say is don't try to rattle antlers while you're driving. But you yeah, really. <laughs> but I, I better throw that disclaimer out there. But the rest of it is uh, totally doable while you're driving. So I, I love this stuff. Yeah, it's awesome. And anyway, so you know, you put all that stuff together, and the next thing you know, you're inadvertently learning the elk language and enjoying yourself as you're doing it. And 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 the cool thing about as you practice sound this sound, this sound, this sound, you're understanding the message being sent, whether it's by you or the elk. But as you understand the message you're sending, you're going to put the right tone and emotion behind it. You start saying, oh, this is this sound is meaning this. And so as you practice it, you can't help but put the right sound behind it because you now understand it. I'm just not making an elk sound. I'm actually sending a message when I'm going to use this sound or this sound or this sound or the same with the bull sound. If you're going to use a location bugle, a challenge or the lip ball where you're calling a cow, as you practice those sounds, you're putting meaning behind it because you understand what you're saying with it. And that makes your practice so much more enjoyable mm -hmm. and it's easier to polish it up. Call into the app on that recording feature and then listen to the real making the sound. Yes. And that's how you're, you're going to polish your, your own tones up. I use it myself. Yes, I honestly I do, do. I go I do on too. there and use those sounds and, and, and try to be as realistic sounding as possible. And you're going to find that when you're using those cow sounds or the contact buzz, the softer the latex, the easier it is to make that sound. So if you have a stiff latex call, you know, you might want to, and it's great for bull sounds. It, it, it may not be uh, the best choice. Uh, I, I find that if I get something that's a little bit uh, an all-purpose read, uh, then yeah. uh, it works best for me. Let's take a quick break to give our show sponsors some well-deserved love. Let's start with Scree Extreme Mountain Gear. High-performance hunting attire and gear. Scientifically tested camo patterns. Complete layering systems. 
and in my opinion, the finest merino wool products to keep you warm, dry, and comfortable. It's all backed by a great company. Some of my personal favorites of the in the screen lineup are the hard scrabble pants uh, for early to mid season, and then as it gets colder, I switch to the Kodiak pants for late season. The Bridger glassing mitts are like game changers, and I love the Nebo rain gear. Scree offers great packages on the website as bundles, like the elk bundle, that will completely outfit you for your favorite hunt. Oh, and my favorite part? You won't need to refinance your house to get outfitted. Try the starter bundle for less than 500 bucks. It's an insane deal. With the VIP sizing guarantee, you can exchange something that doesn't fit for free. I just had to do this for something that I got my wife. It was a little big, so I just sent it back. They covered the shipping both ways and exchanged it for the right size. So go to ScreeGear.com and at checkout, use promo code the Western Huntsman for 15% off and free shipping. Phelps Game Calls, one thing that I love about companies that are born out of hunting is their story. Like Phelps Game Calls, the American success story that walks us through how something started small and grew into something big. Like Phelps, he started this company kind of as a hobby in his garage in 2009. Now, a little over a decade later, Phelps is one of the premier hunting call companies on the planet for good reason. They're the most realistic calls on the market, and that is saying something. Check out the AMP lineup. For predator calls like the 3-pack POR123 or the Fawn in Distress, check those out. Turkey calls, get a diaphragm, a pot call, or a box call, and a complete line of waterfowl calls. Hit up the website, and at checkout, use promo code HUNTSMAN10 for 10% off. Phelps Game Calls, get them close. The Elk Collective. The best investment for hunting success is what's between your ears. Having elk hunting knowledge is what separates those who succeed every once in a while against those who notch tags every year. There's a very fine line there, and there's a perfect amount of time for listening to this now to get through the entire course before September. Improve your chances with a virtual course of over 140 videos that cover things like how to get elk tags throughout the West, scouting and e-scouting, beginner to advanced elk calling, gear, fitness, nutrition, shooting processes, hunting scenarios, strategies, and tons more. They've got some very big names on this platform that give you their personal expertise as you go through the course. It's the best way to make you the best elk hunter as you get into the woods. So go to theelkcollective.com and use promo code THEWESTERNHUNTSMAN for $20 off. It's normally 89 bucks, so when you use my promo code, it's going to be the best $69 you've spent on elk hunting, and I guarantee you it's worth every penny. Check it out, guys. Hoffman Boots, let me give you guys a piece of advice from a dude with many miles on his feet. Never skimp on quality hunting boots. Hoffman Boots is a fourth-generation, family-owned company based in North Idaho. I've been sporting a pair of Hoffmans for close to a decade, particularly I like the Hoffman Explorer and the 8-inch. In my most humble opinion, again, Hoffman offers the most comfortable hunting boot that does the least amount of damage to my feet after several miles on the mountain. Very little break-in period on these boots, by the way. Uh, I took them right out of the box and went on a crazy elk hunt, not even a blister. For hunting, they have the Explorers in the Summit boot offered in insulated and non-insulated. And ladies, check out the new women's Hoffman Explorer 400. They also carry lineman boots, winter pack boots, logging boots, and hiking boots. Get totally outfitted at HoffmanBoots.com and at checkout. As you know, it's coming. Use promo code, all caps lock, HUNTSMAN10 for 10% off. Last but not least, Tacticam. 
If you're interested in self-filming your hunts, whether for you know memories or making hunting content, check out the Tacticam products like the Spotter LR, Tacticam 5.0, and the Film Through Scope system, all of which are available at thewesternhuntsman.com, which helps support our fight against the anti-hunting movement. But my favorite is the Tacticam Reveal cell cams. I use these cell cams all over my property, and I'm like obsessed with monitoring the wildlife in real time with these cameras. They not only text me instantly when a buck or a bear is cruising through, my reveals make for excellent security systems. I know when the FedEx dude is delivering packages way down at the bottom of our driveway. And I also know if some knucklehead shows up to try to steal them. I know when someone's trespassing or if I have the kind of wildlife roaming around that I don't want, you know, like a coyote. And uh, I quickly react with my cat-like reflexes. Great for trappers, great for hunters, uh, security, anything. Guys, check it out at Tacticam.com because I don't have the reveals on my website right now. Uh, Let them know I sent you. Tacticam.com. Let's get back to the show. Here we go. You know, there's a lot of good calls out there. You can't go wrong with so many good manufacturers out there. But if you, if there are some of you, if you're using the Phelps one, uh, the Maverick, all those are really good calls. You know, yeah, Rocky I like Mountain. The, the Maverick there's a lot and of the good pink ones. And, the, and the gray amp from Phelps are, are, I think, do exactly what you're talking about. They're not, yeah, they're not too all, stiff. They're not too light. Yeah, that. yeah. Um, exactly. Let me, let me, I, I know I'm keeping you a little long here, Paul. Um, let's, let's go through these lightning round questions. Is that okay? Okay. Let's do that before we conclude then. Yes. <laughs> okay. Awesome. So, uh, cause, uh, you know, well, I, you don't Make know me, very, you don't know me very well, but I know you well <laughs> okay. enough that you and I, we can keep this going for three or four hours. And so, um, I, I want to be <laughs> considerate of your time. Um, okay. so lightning, lightning round number one, uh, again, these should, can just be super quick answers. Uh, what changes strategy-wise from week one of September to week four of September? The bulls are more cowed up as it gets later. Uh, and so I can get way more aggressive with elk. Uh, usually from the eighth on, I can uh, my, my mental aspect gets much more aggressive, uh, much more subtle early on. Okay. I like way it. more yep. cow parties. Way yep. more, way cow, more parties cow parties. Okay. okay. Early on. Good deal. Good deal. So uh, I guess later in the year, is it, would you say, or not year, later in the month, would you say it's easier to kill a uh, herd bull later in the month while they are herded up? I, I, this is not part of the lightning round. This That just kind of popped into my head. <laughs> well, um, you know, most most bulls are going to have cows by the eighth anyway. Yeah. You know, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I don't know what you mean by later in the month. So once they have cows, uh, remember, a bull can become more defensive because he has cows, or he can become equally as defensive for his piece of territory. So it just it just sweetens the pot is all it does when you when you have a bull being defensive for the cows he has. Or I prefer a bull with cows yeah, anytime. Me too. But I also prefer hunting mountainous country. So mountainous country and and bulls with cows are a big difference than a bull with cows and hunting flat country. Or rolly country like Arizona and parts of Nevada and Utah. There's mountainous country in those areas. So if I hunt those areas, I prefer the mountainous areas as opposed to more open terrain where you would do more spot and stock. I do way less calling at that in those at that country than I would in more mountainous country, of, even though I'm in the same state. That makes a lot. Of, well, yeah, I knew you and I will get try along. to call. We're, try we're to be aggressive along. with the bull on flat ground. 
Yeah, uh, exactly, it. exactly. They I, see I, you 300 yards away. I mean, it just doesn't yeah, work. I know, it really doesn't. I, You're better to I keep your mouth shut timber. at that time. Dark timber. Just, I, I'll take the mountains every time, the mountainous country, the cover, the timber, yeah. the pinions and, and, and junipers. As long as I have cover, I can work them. Dark timber is my best friend. So, um, Okay, lightning round number two. Many hunters are happy with a spike. How would you, as Paul Medell the Elk Nut... If you if you were happy with just getting a spike, um, walk us through super quick. You know, uh, how, what do you do to call it a spike, real quick? Oh man, you just that's piece of cake, man. That's like that's a cow party situation all the way. All right. So I'm gonna go it. with a cow party with no bull involved, and 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 it's a it's a spike's uh, dream, uh, where he's not worried about being pushed around by a bull that uh, may be in the group. So he's not apprehensive to come in. As a matter of fact, the cow party will call in cows and spikes faster than any other method around by fire. And in the app right now at this point, it's called the creative cow calling sequence. I'm going to change it to cow party come June. There'll be a new name for it. Okay. And there'll be a video on how we do it, but the cow party, and I don't just mean a few cow calls either. You need to go in there and see what we're doing with the cow party. It's an extremely unique situation. That is number one for killing cows and spikes. Absolutely. Guys, go get the freaking Elk Nut app. I mean, uh, come on. It's what, what is it? Five bucks? Ten bucks? Something like that? It's, it's $9.95. $9.95? I mean, I spend it's loaded that, with stuff. Yeah, I mean, come on, go go get the app, guys. I I uh, highly recommend. You guys know me. If you if you're listening to this, you know that I promote all of this stuff. I'm a big fan of the Elk Nut app. I'm a big fan of the Elk Collective and the Blue Collar Hunting um, virtual course from from the Elk Bros. You know all these courses that you get, Row Hunting Resources, the Elk Calling Academy, all all of them. I'm a big fan of. But uh, the the Elk Nut app is a lot of information packed into one app, and it's got that exact thing. So if you're somebody that is just, you know, you're happy with getting a spike, there's nothing wrong. Spikes eat very well. I, I will tell you, spikes eat great. Uh, and, yep. you, and you just want to go get a spike, jump on the app, figure out the cow party. I, I want to cover that again. Right now it's called the cow creative, creative cow, calling, cow sequence. calling sequence. There it is right there. Um, just. You'll see it right so, on the app. Yeah, 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 it's right there in the app. When you guys get in the app, uh, you'll go to sequences, and it's under there. And then uh, you can go back to the sounds, and that's where all the recording is. Anyway, don't mean to make this a big promo for the app, but I do love that app. I've been using it for years. Thank okay. Um, the Question number three. If you were limited to two hours of hunting in a day, doesn't matter what time of month right now, what two hours does the elk nut pick? Nine to 11. Nine to 11. Heck yeah, and a full moon. And a full oh, so that's interesting because one of the questions number me, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Full moon hunting. What is your take? Do you hunt or do you take the day off? Yeah, right. <laughs> that's when I kill all my elk. Full I, moon, man. People oh, rag on the full moon, Paul. They they're always but, throwing rocks at full they, moon hunting, but I those love are the it. same. Those are the same people that rag on bugling and calling. You can't call elk. Yeah, yeah. And you can because they don't know what they're doing. So. You know, they think elk are just asleep the whole time when it's a full moon. <laughs> but you see, you're, you're talking to somebody here. You, The question is for me, all, all I need to hear is one bull bugle. That's it. One bugle. I don't need a a, bull? uh, five bulls. I don't need 100 bugles. I just need one. Mm -hmm. And during the full moon, they're very uh, active, uh, you know, nocturnally. They're, they're at night. And so once I hear a bull in an area, I know he's there and I am going to attack. I'm going to try to kill that bull. 
And so a lot of times when there's not a full moon and, you, and they're not riding yet, you still don't get a lot of action at night. Nothing like a full moon. And the full moon lasts for so oh, such a long period. You know, easy five, six days on each side of it. And those are my absolute favorite times to find elk. Because once I find them, that's when they're in trouble. You know, half the half the work is trying to find them. And what yeah. you do with them after you find them, that's your meal ticket right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, I love it. I love it. Um, okay. So you, you actually mentioned one word that leads into another question. Number four is raining. Continue to hunt or take a break? A downpour, take a break. I mean, if it's ridiculous, if it's yeah. going to wash blood. Uh, you know, I'm not out there to be miserable, but at the same time, we've killed a lot of elk during rains and intermittent rains off and on, you know, carry your rain gear. But if I get up and it is absolutely a deluge, no, I'm not going to go out there and, and, and hunt. And I've actually sat two days in camp where it, the rain was so bad. I mean, it was ridiculous. Not even the elk would get up. So, you know, that's just the way I would do it. I'm concerned about a blood trail, you know. And so, but I bet you we've killed at least 15 elk in the rain between yeah, my son yeah. and I. So we do hunt the rain, but we won't hunt a deluge of rain, you know, where it's yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, if it's an absolute downpour, you can't hear them oh, anyway. No, no I mean, it, it's dangerous out there, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Um, number six. This is like a, a multiple choice question here. What is most important? A, shooting skill. B, calling ability. C, expensive gear that you have to take a second mortgage out on, or D, <laughs> elk knowledge. Well, you know, there's some importance behind all of them. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a tough question, you know, in all honesty, because I see three answers. That's in what there. I do. I, that's what I do. <laughs> I, I, give, I give the tough questions, Paul. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, I mean, you're shooting you're exactly it, I right. Not, that, I would well, you know, you have to let me think. I I I don't I don't pick shooting ability as number one for for, uh, for me because I hunt dark timber and my mm-hmm. average kill is 23 yards for all the elk that my son and I've both taken. So shooting ability is top ten, and and, and although it's important, don't get me wrong, it is. But um, elk knowledge would probably be my number one pick calling is very important but i put elk knowledge and calling as one i don't put one over the other elk that's knowledge a good point calling, i should reformulate that because i i'm actually, I, I, that's how i would see yeah it. yeah yeah because for me if you have the right you could be a world champion elk caller at the rmef foundation but if you don't know behaviorally how that applies to be the the behavior of the animal it, it doesn't mean anything, right? And so I, I'm gonna, I, I think I'm gonna rephrase that question in the future. Um, okay, moving on. But the um, expensive gear would be down to way below zero. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and me that too. don't mean nothing. Yeah, I, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not ragging on expensive gear. I, I love it and everything, but I mean, I've been pretty effective in $20 Walmart tennis shoes in, in my life, and I'm, I'm not opposed to it. So, uh, totally agree with that. Um, most critical piece of gear outside of your weapon to be uh successful what's between my ears (laughs) okay (laughs) i mean what's it in my mind i mean you know i think you know it's, it's so easy to say boots or you know my camo stuff like that but but seriously if you're talking about honey elk i think most of that is a given 
the most, I mean, with, without a doubt, the most important piece of gear for me, it's my, my, my calls by a mile. My calls are the most important thing to me. I'd rather leave my bow in camp than my calls. Okay. And, uh, and, and, and if I was to be more diversified with it, it would be my bugle as my number one tool if I had to choose. But my bugle would be my number one tool. Of course, reeds allow me to do anything with it. But if I had to choose between the two, bull sounds uh, are what kills nearly all our elk well and above. I would say 80% of our elk die from bull sounds and maybe 20% less than that. 10% would be cow sounds and 10% would be both. But bull sounds by a mile. Kill them. Okay. Pull, well, pull them in close. I feel like you're you've you're, you're more like, than you wanted to know. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, th- I, I you're like telepathic. You're um because the that it's funny. That number seven or eight, I can't remember which one I'm on. If you had to choose one, bugle or oh. cow sounds, <laughs> and so it'd be the bull sounds. Yeah, bull sounds. So that answers that. Um, yep, yep. Um, okay. And mostly because I'm after five and six point bulls or bigger. Okay, if and I was so, after cow party, would be more for rags, um, spikes. spikes, cows. Because see, some areas people that's all they can hunt. So then I I, w- I would fall back into that uh, realm. But 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 when hunting uh, the over the counter units that I hunt, I, I'm I'm usually after a five or six. No usual about it. That's what I'm after. Fives mm-hmm. and sixes because it's so heavily hunted. You're not just going to run around shooting 300 inch plus bulls. It just hardly ever happens. Yeah, yeah. Because it's a lot of pressure here. For sure, for sure. Um, number nine. Which week of September do you feel that elk are most responsive to calls? Third week. Third week, so fifteenth uh, yep. on, kind of, kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Um. Well. I mean, that could lead to so many different discussions because I've had. <laughs> uh, it's the third week, though. This last year was such a, a, a weird year. What was last season? What was last season uh, 2021? Was that an off year or like a weird year for you in terms of how the bulls reacted or responded behavioral wise? Or was it just me and a few other people I hunted with? It was the same as normal. I, I've, I've done it for 40 years, and you, I didn't see anything unusual about it at all. Do, so, and and that's why that's why uh, your answer is important to me. Um, actually, you you answered the 10th question anyway, and I, I need to maybe it's your some tactics of, of use. You know, that, that's what that, I was going to ask. So, I'm you, trying to locate. How do you locate? You know, you got to be very versatile. When is, you're locating, looking for elk. What is your opinion about that, though, Paul? Uh, like you said, you've been hunting elk for, for 40 years. Um, I've been hunting elk for a long time, not 40 years. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm a little over 40 years old, so uh, <laughs> I'm I'm not I'm not a spring chicken, but I, I don't have that kind of experience. So, uh, you, you know, you hear a lot out there. Well, this year was an odd year, and I, I'm totally guilty of saying that. I've had years where I just felt like something was different and then the mm-hmm. next year everything goes back to what i've always known and and i don't know what that is and maybe it's me or or do you have an opinion as to some years maybe because it's dry or maybe there's a lot of smoke in the air from fires or maybe the the moon phase is just a little off or or uh, the the solar planets are aligning <laughs> in some weird you know pluto's lined up weird or something you know what i mean um do you, do you have an opinion on that well you know i'm not a scientist or anything but it's 
there are years, no doubt, that the elk seem a little more quiet, uh, even though you feel they're there. But are they there? You know, what's the sign like? What's the pressure like where you're hunting? I mean, is there an increased activity of a, of a lot of hunters? Uh, do you have a lot of predators? Like here, we have to deal with mountain lions and wolves, a lot of bears, the wolves being the worst. But we run into, you know, there's a lot of people pressure, too. Uh, you know, I, I see for me, that seems like that's what most people's problems is, is that a lot of people are are working elk. And if you find elk, are you hunting them consecutively day after day? See, I won't do that because if I blow it, I already know if I go in the next day, they may be responsive, but there's no way I can call them back in. I already blew it. Mm-hmm. They are they're very aware of me. So, I mean. And, and, and like I said, once I get on a bull, if I, I hear one, I mean, I'm doing everything in my power to kill that bull. I don't take it for granted. I'm not nonchalant saying, oh, I'll get into three or four more later on. Uh, you know, but to say, to put your finger on why some years are tougher than others, you know, it's elk hunting. Yeah, That's it's elk supposed hunting. to be challenging. It's, it's supposed to be a, very, <laughs> a, a, a tough challenge. There's a reason why there's guys out there that have killed a lot of elk they you know it, it, and they do a consecutive year after year after year it's because they accept the challenge of tough times and when there's good times you know it, it, it i i can remember one specific podcast i had it's been several years ago with mark warnke you, you'll see him he's on ig really nice guy he does the goat thing Oh yeah, he, he goes yeah, all over. Ta- yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. And 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 I remember him asking me one time that he was hunting in areas where they did get into some elk, but it wasn't like past years, and it was really tough. How would you work those elk? I mean, what would you do? I don't even remember my response at that time, but I'm sure if I was asked that same question today, if I'm having a tough time, and but I know there's something out there, I I you know I I, I can't. I can't be more enthusiastic to recommend a cow party than anything. It's just incredible until guys experience how deadly it is. Mm. And especially if you're having a tough time and you're just trying to pull elk in, this will pull elk in. You just have no idea how powerful it is. It's ridiculously awesome. And, uh, uh, you know, last year I, I did it on the two times I did it with, with a, a couple of guys and myself and my son, we called in seven bulls and they never made a peep. But but you have to sit there and wait for anywhere from 10 to 30, 40 minutes. But they yeah, just show they up and forever. every every one of them came in under 20 yards. Hmm. But they come in. That's the point. And 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 I and I also had uh, you know John Stallone. He's on Instagram. He called me up and he said, Paul. He says I'm in Idaho right now. There's bulls around me and I can't get them to do anything, nothing. And I said, go to the cow party. They're going to come in. Just go straight to the cow party. I explained to him how to do it real quick. He has the app, but uh-huh. I still, you know me, I talk out and I heard from him later and he said, I set up and on the very first try, a bull came straight into us. He didn't kill it because when it came in, he caught, he totally caught us off guard and he just walked <laughs> right on top of us. I know, jo- I know how John it. feels. <laughs> and we're like, we can't even knock an arrow and shoot him. He's just right there. Where'd he come from? <laughs> and, but that's why I, when I tell people about the cow party and of course he was saying, you know, he was with some hunters that were newer and, and, and they just kind of took it for granted. And John is much more serious hunter. He's 
Yes. You know, he's very dedicated. Yes. This guy, yes. he's a diehard. I hunted with John one day. And, Did you? And, and yeah, and John is just super nice. Yeah, and this guy has more dude. energy. He's like the energy rabbit out there, you know, that 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 battery rabbit. <laughs> he can yeah. go, go, go. Let me tell you. He's a great guy. Yeah, he but is see, a great he guy. He tried it and man, it came right in. And so I'm just trying to show you that you get into area and you 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 feel there's elk. And the thing is with the cow part is you can pull elk in a half a mile away. Mm-hmm. You just have to be so confident that they're going to show up. And so when we were doing it, it was we would hear a bull way off and nothing else was talking. Nothing. I don't care what we did, what we said. We just tried to get within a quarter mile of them because elk are herd animals and go straight into the cow party. And and once you do it, and it la- usually lasts around 10 minutes, your whole system of start to finish. And then just a little cow call every now and then. It lets them know you're sitting there, you're bedded there. And here they come. They just start filing in. And I mean, you can sit there and four or five elk will come in, cows, spikes and whatever, and wait. And more will come in from another direction. They just will show up. And so if you're having a tough time, let the elk do all the moving. And yeah, there is going to be those years. The elk are there and they're just, it's like the cows aren't even coming into heat hardly in your area. And then all of a sudden you'll have a burst where they will. But a lot of times when guys are hunting, they hope to fall into those parameters where there is a lot of rut fest going on. But you have to still be effective with your tools and your means of use, even if you're not in those stages. You have to still be able to hunt elk when they're being quiet. And that's the key to to consistent success because who doesn't want to be out there, Jim, when mm-hmm. they're screaming all the time? We all want that. But sure. there's going to be those times they're not, but you can't give up. That's when you go to a tactic where you're drawn on their curiosity more than anything because you don't really know where they're at. And you've got to pull them in. But, man, you've got to have your head on a swivel because they will show up out of nowhere so quiet. And once you have it happen and they stu- and you do – have some positive results, whether you get them or not. It just, you know, it behooves you to do it again and again Mm -hmm. because you know it can work. So, yeah, there are those times that I don't think last year was one of those times. I mean, it seemed like everything was really good and it was pretty normal. Uh, You know, that's what I would say. I I didn't see anything unusual, but it could have been your area. Maybe there's a lot of pressure over there. I don't know. Well, we we had one. One of the areas that I've hunted for a long time has had a significant increase in in pressure for sure the last, uh, well, since COVID. Um, I used to be the only one up there. Uh, mm. Anyway, I moved on. I found another area where I am the only one up there, and and um, <laughs> I, I had a ball. I, I mean, I had a great season. I had a ball. Well, good. Uh, but it, good. It, it was it just something seemed uh, like I, I'll give you a gr- good example. Two seasons ago, it seemed like every elk that I had an encounter with would do this crazy chimp-like chuckle every time. Where this last year, I didn't hear anything chuckle. Nothing was chuckling. <laughs> and so, I don't know if that was just circumstance, coincidence, yeah, you know, just wh- whatever. It, it, it is, like you said, it's elk hunting. It's never the same thing. There's always different scenarios that are taking place. It's always a challenge. It's always, you know, elk are individuals. They have individual personalities. Um, and, and you just, it's, it's just a, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I think that that's why people like you and I love elk hunting. It's never a routine. You know what I mean? It's just always a challenge and there's always a mountain to climb and a, and a, and a challenge to overcome. And, and, and it's just always different. There's just all these new things constantly coming at you. Um, I'll never forget last year, this, 
this giant growler bowl that I could just barely see the tops of his tines down in this really old wall. Have you ever seen one of these like hundred year wallows where it's it's deep and it's just real beat up? This thing's been there for season after season after season, and and this this old bull owns this wallow and he has had because of where it's at a lot of pressure and he is no dummy and i wasn't about to fool him i bet you you could probably get him i can't i don't have that skill he was he was way too smart for me uh but i'll never forget the time i had trying and uh he's just got a super unique bugle uh anyway all that that that's why we love elk hunting right am i am i off base no i mean (laughs) there's a lot of stuff that uh that I would say come into play like that, mm-hmm. that intrigues us. And, and, and yeah, when we, uh, so-called fail at something like that, it just, I think it, it, it builds us up even stronger knowing that these elk really aren't that dumb. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they no, really they're not aren't. dumb. They're, they're not dumb. very, very smart and cagey and especially pressured elk, e- even though they may be in an unpressured area, they probably were in one and got pushed to that secluded area. So, you know, Trying to trying to take a bull like that sometimes is, you know, it's more of a, like an ambush, almost trying to figure out his destination areas. But I do find that no doubt uh, about it that a lot of times you can call that bull in, but you only got one chance. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. If you don't kill him on your attempt, you probably will never get another chance on him that year. You have one chance to kill that guy and you got to make it right. You got to make it work. And, and and so a lot of times it doesn't happen like that, but we keep going back after him and and we don't get him. No way. I mean, it has happened to all of us. <clears throat> you know, it's because he gets yeah. educated that quick. He didn't get big like that. You've heard it a thousand times because he was dumb. Yeah, he's no. big for a reason. Yep. Yeah, but, but those elk are killable, especially if you get right in their domain. I mean, uh, you know, and another and, and, and other things, if he's that deep, he's, it's hard to bring a tree stand in. Or if you're going to say, I'm gonna, just going to get on the trails he's using. You know, there's all kinds of little things. But I'm a caller. I'm going to try to call him in. Uh, and, and, and he probably could give a rat's ass about a cow if you want to know the truth. Mm-hmm. He, you're probably going to have to just get in there and, and, and display in his area. I mean, on top of him. Yeah, yeah. You'd be surprised right how a lot of... I'll bet you that's I'm what I need you. to do to that one I was just telling you about, that big growler bowl down at that uh, 100-year wallow. I call it I, – I don't know how long the wallow's been there. I just always call it the 100-year wallow. <laughs> well, you know, so. I, I, I know what you mean because we did get into a growler last year, and, I mean, he growled, and he growled. He, he, he never, ever bugled. Yeah, they don't bugle. They just on, growl at you. And that's what he would do until I finally got him into his bedding area, and, it, and, and, and my son – it was he was going to shoot, and so I was calling. And this was like September the third, and he was just. <laughs> that's all he would do. I love and it. I heard him from a long ways, and we finally got over there, and I, I ended up screw you know I, I screwed my son. I mean I really did, uh, kind of like you screw the pooch type thing. Mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. we made our way. We we got this bull low. We heard him low. We ended up following this bull, and all of a sudden he went straight up. We had to go up over 2,000 feet, and and I knew the area. <clears throat> We've hunted it before, and he kept going up, 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 up. And so he could hear us. It was so thick with willows that we were bushwhacking, mm. and we were on our stomach in a couple of areas going straight oh, up man. the mountain. It took us almost an hour 
And by the time I got within maybe a quarter mile of him, I knew he could hear me. And so all I did was just moan on the bugle. I just moaned. And he'd answer almost every time. With and the we growl? Kept going up. He'd, answer, he'd, he'd answer with, with like the same he, growl. He didn't yeah, yeah. sound like that. I was me doing that. I know. And I, I went know. all. But he could hear me, and I knew, and I didn't use no cow calls. I just all I did was let him know I'm making my way up, and all the way up to the top, we finally made it. He was right below the top, probably a couple hundred yards, and and it kind of plateaued out where there was actually some sagebrush, which we have like none of that where we hunt, but we were so high up on this mountain, and I, there was a it was kind of a benchy area where there was a slope that went up maybe ten yards. And I knew that bull was right up ahead. He was probably up there still another 150 to 200 yards from where I, I last heard him. But he hadn't moved on that entire, uh, you know, ascent to get up there. He never moved. He was right there. And so I, I got my son up there and I said, just get right on this edge. I'm going to stay below and I'm going to call him in. I said, all I'm going to do is just advertise him. He's not going to like this bull in his area. So I just kept, I started to bugle from my moan. I moved my bugle into a slight whistle. Then I used it, I reversed it from the whistle, kind of a bugle, all the way back down to the bone. And I kept playing and he would just groan. And then all of a sudden on one of my, I'm starting to rake, rake, rake. This went on for probably six, seven minutes. And all of a sudden he screamed a bugle at me. And I already knew, right? He was telling me to get out of there. I mean, mm -hmm. it was a definitely no doubt about bugle. I went ahead and hit him right back with the same one. He hit me back. I cut him off. And now I can hear he's closer. I'm like, man, he's got to be right on top of my son. He's just right there. And <clears throat> we had already moved up that mountain a couple of times trying to call him in, you know, like a couple of setups. But this was the one where I thought it was going to be. And so he moved up a little bit. And so I moved up a little bit. This went on a couple of times. And so I figured this was the last one. That was it. And so I, I'm still below my son. I can't see him. He went up on that little edge there. Now I can't see him. And I hate that when I can't see the shooter. Yeah. But it was just that type of an area. I had no choice. I went through my little scenario still. And now I'm picking up the tempo big time. And he is just screaming bugles along with his growl. So I got, I knew I had him going. And all of a sudden I could tell his bugle went further. It was like he was back another 50 yards. And I'm like, crap, he's going to move again. So I ran up the hill real quick. When I say real quick, like within 30 seconds of mm -hmm. trying to feel the situation out, I need to get back up to my son. Said, we got to move again. We got to move again. We're going to pressure him until he won't take any more. You know, we've dealt with bulls like this before. And as I go up the hill, I get about halfway. I'm looking for my son because I'm not sure exactly where he is. I can't see him. As I move up there, I look up the hill, I would say 60 yards from me. That bull is standing there staring at me. Oh, and I, no. Oh. And I'm staring at him. I'm like, oh, no. And I look off to my left, and probably 20, 25 yards is my son. And he's got an arrow knock. He's not at full draw. He's just sitting there. And I could see a lot of crap between him and the bull. Uh -huh. But he could see the bull. Dang. I look at the bull, and I'm like, no. And so, obviously, this lasted maybe five seconds. The bull turned, and it mm. was a big bull. This big bull, sucker, I mean, huh? oh, he went 330 inches. That is a monster in this area. Oh, he was a monster. A, and I, he was yeah. huge. Yeah. Well, I went over to my son. I went, oh, no. I said, he saw me. And my son said, because why did you come up? And I said, because <laughs> I heard his bugle go up. He goes, he was walking right to me. I said, what happened? He goes, as you were calling, calling, he was coming, coming down. There's a bunch of brush right there. You see that big old line of brush? I said, yeah. And he goes, 
he stopped at it and couldn't get through. So he decided he was going to go around it. So he went up the hill. He was coming back around it. I said, that's where I thought he was leaving. He bugled up there. And I thought he was going away. He goes, nope. Mm. He bugled. He went up. He went around the brush. And he was coming back down. And he says, he was going to walk right by me as he was going <laughs> to you. And I thought he was leaving again. And I blew it. On for him right there on that bull, but it was a pig of a bull for Man. this. Area. It would it was one of the biggest bulls this area has seen. Let me tell you, because gets a lot of pressure. Heart it was, yeah, and, yeah. And that was it. We didn't go back up that hill, but just showing you that it happens to all of us. You know, it was just yeah, one of those I mean, things. But it was it a actually, growler bull. That kind and of we're stuff, gonna go kill him this year. Oh, we're I hope you him. do. And I and I have <laughs> I have full confidence, and it actually makes me uh, feel a little bit better. Hearing somebody like you having a story like that because you it know I, I just I just don't feel like you're a real elk hunter until you've ha- you've had your heart broken like that. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I felt bad for my son. Yeah. More than, it's oh, not yeah. like he's never killed an elk. Oh, but it was I've like I blew it. I was the one that screwed the pooch on yeah, this one. I Dang know. it! I know the feel. I just screwed the pooch on a, a, a calling in some turkeys the other day for my daughters. Um, oh, yeah. but I did redeem myself a couple days later. And so, oh, well, good. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So that worked out, but Paul, this oh, has been fantastic. I, I always appreciate your willingness to come on the show and, and, you know, spend, you don't just come on for a few minutes. I mean, you spend time and I feel like you really have a passion to share the information that you have, uh, and, and your experience with others so that they actually learn something like they can actually take this information that we talked about and, uh, and apply it in their own hunt. And I'm just, I'm so excited about it. I'm, I'm really excited about well, this good. episode. Um, well, thank you. It's always a pleasure having you on. Um, yeah, you're one of my favorite elk hunters, man. I, I just, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Um, the Elk Nut app, they can get it anywhere, right? Android, Apple, all yep. the all the different phones, what whatnot. Um, and that's just at the. You said it was nine ninety five. Yes, it is. It's nine ninety five. Yes, guys, that's that's like a coffee at Starbucks for for those of you. Oh, it's a ridiculous price. I mean, it, it yeah. is. But you know what? It's not all content. about money. It's about trying to educate people, trying to make them, uh, help them to be better elk hunters. Uh, for all these, especially people that don't live out west where elk are, and they're trying to hunt with their family, you know, daughters, sons, wife, and cut the learning curve as quick as they can. And, and, and enjoy a lot of the fruits of their labor as we have, you know. And so yeah. that's what we're trying to do is help these individuals to get out there, you know, and, and, and appreciate it and enjoy some success at the same time. I think that that's important because there's a lot of people that don't have the experiences that you and I have in a sense of living amongst the elk. We, yeah. You know, a lot of people, they, they live in in Boise or Portland or, or Salt Lake city or Denver, you know, there, and, and that's, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to this lifestyle, um, your, your opportunity to, to observe amongst the elk, where the elk live is limited. And so having something like the elk nut app and, and, and these other platforms out there that, that offer this information is super helpful. So, so that you can make your own memories, not your own tags, fill your own freezers, Put your own antlers on the wall, and 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 I think that that's uh, it says a lot about your character, Paul. For uh, you know, you're willing to 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 share that kind of stuff. So I appreciate it, man. Um, I always Thank have you. I always have fun. Um, it's it's a it's a great time. <laughs> well, good. So, uh, I always feel like I, I always feel guilty. I'm keeping you too long or something, but I, I could just talk with you for for hours. And so, um, I'll let you go for tonight. But I, again, I appreciate it. This is an excellent school of September episode. 
we cover the Elknut app. Is there anything else you want any, people to know? No, no. I mean, we're good. <laughs> no, uh, it, this wasn't about the Elknut app anyway. This is about no, Elknut. So I, yeah, that's exactly. Awesome. Thank you. Exactly. So, so guys, go go jump on uh, get you get you the Elknut app. It's funny. Everybody I know that Elk hunts, they have your app already. So yeah, I, I feel <laughs> well, that's great. Thank you. <laughs> so hopefully there's some new uh, new folks out there that can go jump on and grab that app. But um, this season, I want to keep in touch with you, Paul, and see how your season goes. Uh, you bet. And uh, if we need to jump on and do a season recap, we could certainly do that. So again, thank you very much, uh, and let's keep in touch, and we'll talk soon. Okay. Hey, thank you very much for having me on, Jim. Appreciate it very much. You bet. You made it all the way to the end. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. We sure appreciate your support. This is Jim Huntsman signing off and reminding you to check us out at Instagram at The Western Huntsman and on Facebook at The Western Huntsman. And you can also check out the website at TheWesternHuntsman.com. Thanks again. We'll see you guys next time. Stay Western, and I'll see you on the mountain.